0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are you talking
2: about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one... There's that's it. One more. Get it around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for Where's the oxygen? They play like
0: absolute just garbage. <laughs> this. this is the sports Loud mouth!
3: Yay.
0: Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here with Errol Marks and Speedy Speedy. You're not even a has been. You're a never was.
1: June 7th, ladies and gentlemen, for a new show of the sports, Loud Mouths, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to Errol Marks and Speeder, the speedster. Himself, Speedy PD. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. I'm telling you guys, if you've missed any one of our shows, you can go to Apple Podcast right now. 1.6 million downloads, ladies and gentlemen, and counting. You can check out any shows from the Sports Loud Mouths to Game On to The Wise Guys. Any one of our shows that you've missed during the week, you can check it out every single week. And you can also, ladies and gentlemen, listen to our show every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. live and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Speedy, what's up, man? Uh, congratulations to my cousin who became an Eagle Scout
4: on Monday. Congratulations. Uh, He's uh, Nicholas Stacco, seventeen years old. And, wow, uh, you gave him the whole name. Yes, mm. yes, and uh, he became an Eagle Scout. Does he watch this show? So, uh, he's watched it before. He
1: actually called in once on Tyler's show.
4: Did he? Yeah, when we were making our picks, he actually called in. I was he going...
1: actually called Tyler's show. And he's never called this show.
4: He's never called our show, unfortunately. But he listens to the <laughs> show. I was, I was. It was one of those before we were. Doing, make sense. Before we were doing the weekend crunch, and we were, I was always so busy on Fridays. I would sometimes go to their house after the show, and he actually called up on his way because he was listening because he was. Him and my Spit aunt it were out, out to now, pick me up. Spit it out. So he actually called it and made a couple picks with Tyler. and I. <laughs>
1: uh, hold, So let me get this straight. He calls Tyler's show. But you're on this show all the time, and he never calls this show, ever. He's never called this show, no. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. And Tyler's sitting home with his new girlfriend. Congratulations to Tyler. He looks like a happy guy. And I I give him a lot of credit. He's been looking for the love of his life. And Tyler Harrison, or TJ Harrison, whichever way he wants to present himself now, all over social media, has a love of his life. So congratulations to the Tyster. He is happy. Speedy's happy. Um, Speedy always has his hand. But all together, we all are happy for Tyler. We have a great show lined up for you at 7:30. We will be talking to Warriors play-by-play broadcaster Tim Roy, he has uh, he's been on the show many, many times. Actually, I think it's three now. Yeah, he
4: was one of the originals, but we were doing actually, those... so it's four. Yeah, it was he, was four one of the, he was one of the ones right at the start of COVID. One of the, the whole wave of basketball broadcasters we had on. He was one of the first.
1: I miss some of the guys that we've had on the show, and Anchorman is one of them. We have to get him on the show. I, I tried.
4: I did reach out to him this week. He did not respond. Well, uh, <laughs>
1: we are definitely looking forward to getting the Anchorman back because we all know Snug loves him. (laughs) Snug's favorite guest. Yes. uh, A little bit later in the show at 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to Grizzlies play-by-play broadcaster Eric Hasseltine. And I will say something. Eric asked us not to get too much in depth with the John Morant situation because he works for the the Grizzlies, but we will talk a little bit with him about John Morant and what is Going on over there in Memphis, as far as what he hears throughout the uh, the uh, county of the great uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So, uh, looking forward to getting him on the show. The Golden Knights lead the Stanley Cup right now, two to nothing. I'm very surprised about this. Very, very surprised, and we will get into that. Uh, the NBA Finals are tied one-one, going to Game Three tonight. This series is close, but I really believe Denver is the better team, and they will slowly but surely move forward and prove that. I, I have no idea what happened to them in Game 2. They were kicking their you-know-whats in the first half, and they completely fell off. And I have to give Spolstra and that team a lot of credit because uh, when, they feel, when you feel like they're done for some reason, they kick it up another notch and they play great basketball. So congratulations to them. They're, they're giving this a series. Um, Kyrie Irving says... He wants him and LeBron to team up in Dallas. Hmm. Wait a second. Didn't Kyrie say say uh, before the season was over that he was done with Dallas? That he was going to free agency and he's going to be looking elsewhere for a new contract? Didn't he say that? I, I don't know what's going on with this guy. All of a sudden, he is trying to draw LeBron to come to Dallas. And and just so LeBron and Kyrie understand this, it's Luca's team. I, I don't... I still don't understand why Kyrie thinks this is his team. This is Luka Doncic's team. And for some reason, Kyrie is now looking and trying to bring in players to play with him. Very, very interesting. People in John Moran's camp. Suns hire Frank Vogel as the next head coach. I I really have to say something about this. And a little bit later in the show, I have my own thoughts to the Frank Vogel hire. I do I don't see how this will benefit them moving forward. I understand he won a championship with the Lakers. We all know what he did, but it was also in the bubble. And yes, the Lakers were having a good season, but they missed a significant amount of time because of COVID, gave them enough to recuperate, to play in the bubble in Orlando. And a lot of players didn't really want to do that. So um, I, I still think, the Lakers should get a lot of credit for winning that championship, but the whole Frank Vogel thing, when when they fire a coach that won Coach of the Year the year before, and they fire him because ah they choked in the Western Conference Finals, maybe because their point guard wasn't 100% healthy, I have no idea, but this was a bad hire, I didn't like it. Jacob deGrom has a torn UCL, will need surgery and miss the rest of the year, could miss at least a year and a half, might not be back until September of next year. Uh, It is a very interesting story. I feel bad for the kid, uh, him crying after finding out he is going to miss the rest of the season. Um, Mets, I I know a lot of Mets fans are happy about this. I don't understand. This kid's career, career could be over. But nevertheless, we might never see Jacob deGrom pitch another day in the major leagues again. I mean, there's only quite a few pitchers that have come back from multiple ucl tears and and actually play decent in the majors, so it will be interesting if anybody could do it it could be him uh the jets cowboys and broncos have expressed interest in dalvin cook but guess what guys dalvin cook is still not released I know everybody thinks this is going to happen, and some people from the Minnesota Vikings organization has come out and said that they are going to release him. But there is no story out there that we know of that it's going to happen anytime soon. So I don't know why anybody is speaking about him. We have Let's Parlay. We'll have Chaz. Hopefully we'll have Derek on the show and, and quite a few people joining us a little bit later. Bracket Wars tonight, the matchups, the number 16 seed Simone Biles versus the number one seed Muhammad Ali and the number 14 seed Anderson Silver versus the number three seed Jack Nicholas. So that will be a little bit later in the show as always. So why don't we get into it? And I I, I will, I want to get into this story because I know a lot of people are questioning this situation with John Morant and I don't know if Adam Silver has handled this right. But Adam Silver says that the NBA will announce a decision on John Moran's suspension after the NBA Finals. He also added that the NBA has investigated and found new information that hasn't been disclosed publicly yet. Many reports believe the suspension will be a minimum of 30 games depending on how severe the new findings are. People in John Morant's camp are making the case that it was a toy gun on Instagram being waived. The same report said that the toy gun belonged to one of Morant's relatives, not him. Hmm. In this current regime of the NBA Players Association, no player has been suspended for more than 30 games for a gun charge. So, we are going to have Eric Hassel time. On the show about eight o'clock. And I'm sure it is probably been the talk of every radio show he's been on, every single show that he's appeared on throughout the country. And I know he doesn't want to hear it anymore because it seems like nobody wants to talk about Memphis's young talent and what Memphis has done over the last couple of years to be one of the elite teams in the Western Conference. But what I could say about this John Moran thing. Which seems to be a little bit more fishy that now everybody is proclaiming it to be a toy gun. Including him and his family and John Morant. Nevertheless, why would you be waving a toy gun on Instagram in front of the public and laughing at it with your best friend or your friend? Taking videos and pictures of it. It could be fake, it could be real, it could be whatever you want to call it, a BB gun, a pellet gun. it doesn't matter. When you know, over the last couple of months, you have been attacked by not just the press, but the NBA and the Memphis Grizzlies on holding a loaded gun outside of the stadium. And you you look at his talents, there is no question John Morant is probably one of the top three point guards in the league, one of the top ten, top twelve players in the NBA right now. Could have very much been the face of the NBA moving forward for the next five years. He really could. He's fun to watch, he's explosive. He could actually shoot, he's he's a he's a better version of Russell Westbrook. He really is. But what we have noticed and what we notice about this team and this organization is they let this guy run over them rampantly. This guy is a very talented guy. There's no question that he is. And, and I can't sit here and argue that watching John Moran, it doesn't excite me for where the NBA is going when it comes to athletic talent. What does bother me about this kid is he thinks he's bigger than the game. LeBron James brought this to the league. Now everybody says Michael Jordan was like this. Michael Jordan knew he was the game. He knew he was the face. That's why he played 80 games, 82 games every single year. He played hurt. He knew that he was putting fannies in the seats. He knew that people wanted to come and see him. It wasn't about being healthy for the playoffs. Michael Jordan went out there when he had the flu and played in the playoffs. So I don't want to be or hear anybody try to compare LeBron James to what Michael, Jordan's did. Michael Jordan did at the time he was great, at the time he really dominated and was the face internationally and Americanly in basketball. What I do see with players now, in Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and all of these guys that are overpaid, I'm not going to take a shots at the players on what they make because the truth is, hey, they earned it. They made it to the big leagues. They went out there and they produced, and that's why they're making the money that they're making. What bothers me about these play- players is they make so much money, they think that they can use this platform to blow themselves up even more internationally and numerically With all the different marketing tools that they have now that they didn't have in the time that Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA. And when you look at these players, and we've seen this before, we've seen NBA players carry around loaded guns. We know one that played for Washington. He brought it to a locker room, which he got in a big, a a huge amount of trouble. But this story, is. it seems like this kid is not getting it. And honestly, I don't care if it was a toy gun or it was a real gun. The fact is, he shouldn't be waving it around. And the NBA, if they don't suspend him for 30 games, he's never going to learn. He hasn't learned, and he's never going to learn. We could go back... With all these different players. Look what they did to Ron Artest. I've spoken about this already on this show. On the Weekend Crunch. Ron Artest got punished because of what happened at the Palace. With Ben Wallace. He, uh, ben Wallace swung at him. He swung back. He laid on the, uh, the scorer's table. Somebody threw a cup at him. And then he went after him. And then all the havoc started. He got suspended for 80 games. 80 games. He's not carrying around a loaded gun. He can't... The the best thing you can say about Ron Artest is, if he connected with any of those punches the way he thought he could, he could have put somebody in the hospital. He didn't put anybody in the hospital. This man is carrying a loaded gun. And pointing it at people. And waving it in the air. And this guy is not from the ghetto. This guy comes from a family that's middle class. He actually had a house. Food to eat. Played at a private school. This is embarrassing for the NBA because they can't control their players. They haven't controlled their players. This is a big, big story because if the NBA lets this kid go, and I don't care what the findings are. Oh, it's a fake gun, so we're only going to give him eight games. You're letting this kid get away with what he has potentially put the NBA only through the marketing end of it because the NBA could lose endorsements. The NBA could lose certain organizations that they work with, kid organizations that don't want their kids to be involved in gang violence or gun violence.
4: And that's what we haven't seen yet from John Morant yet, even though he might have, quote unquote, learned something we don't we don't know offhand. We haven't seen him, like, take initiative the same way that a lot of these other players have done when they've had these kind of issues in the past, even like. Even in the NFL, too, you look at somebody like Ray Rice after what he did. Like, he actually spoke about it and then took initiation, like, advocating against it, saying, I made a mistake. We have not heard a single thing yet from John Morant. And even if the gun was fake, like, why are you doing that? It's just no sense in error and judgment.
1: And and here's another question. Why hasn't any player, any player that's in the league right now, speaking up and attacking John Morant? This is the problem. This has been a problem with the league. They protect each other. And when when they don't like it, or they like the story, they will speak up on the story to protect certain players because of who they are and what they stand for in the NBA. But for this particular story, because nobody cares, or you, you've heard players that aren't playing anymore, uh, obviously past Hall of Famers or whatever, ex-NBA players that we've had on the show, they've all have said that... Even in the bad times of the NBA when they played, where there was fighting and stuff like that, nobody is waving around guns. Nobody is carrying guns besides maybe one or two guys into certain places and taking video. Now, social media wasn't big in the 90s because there were no, there was no really Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. There's none of those things. But it is now. And it's changed the world. It really has. It's opened up thoughts. On the way people promote them themselves and the product that they're trying to promote as an athlete. And John Moran is using those platforms to make it seem like he's ghetto. Or he he can carry whatever he wants and do whatever he wants because he's bigger than the game. And yes, I have a point here, Jeff. And, and my point is, these players are never going to get it. They're never going to get it until... Adam Silver steps in and suspends this guy 30, 40, 50 games and says that if you carry another gun, and if I find out you're promoting gun violence or guns on social media, you will be thrown out of this league. It is not right. It is not where the NBA should be building their product to be. Half of these guys come from the ghetto. They talk about it all the time. Gang related. Cur- Curtis Martin, okay? And this, this this is off basketball, football. Curtis Martin said, you know why he played football? This is his mother. He didn't want to play football. His mother forced him to play football. You know why? Because of gun violence and drug-addicted situations of his family, how many people, how many friends, how many family members has he walked in? His grandmother, his own grandmother, was shot to death. Why would you promote this when you're one of the biggest organizations in the world? Internationally known. And then you have LeBron James talking about other things that has nothing to do with what's going on in the league right now. LeBron always has something
4: to, to, to talk about that isn't going on with the league right now, and that is himself, because he's eliminated and still thinks oh, the league revolves around him, because like you said, it's the LBA, so everything has to revolve around LeBron, and now we have, we'll talk about that in a little bit with Kyrie and LeBron too, but yeah, it's not a good disciplinary measure too for a guy that's also a repeat offender. If you had person A as like a, in four different charges over the course of a year, you would think they would be able to handle that a little better than waiting it out and, and just dragging it out the way they have.
1: Multiple reports say that that Kyrie Irving wants the Mavericks to pursue tra- a trade for LeBron James for- to form a big 3 with Luka Doncic. NBA insider Mark Stein believes LeBron wants to play and stay in L.A. for his final year of his deal, worth about $46.9 million. Kyrie Irvin is eligible for a five-year $272 million deal if he stays with Dallas, but only can sign a four-year $202 million deal with another team. The NBA salary cap is $134 million, meaning that the Mavericks would have to trade or buy out pretty much their entire roster if they want to make this scenario work. Kyrie Irving could take a pay cut to make this scenario work. The Mavericks have a first-round pick in five of the next six years, including the number 10 overall pick this year. LeBron mentioned a few weeks ago that he is also contemplating retirement. Let's get this straight. LeBron James is not retiring. I, I, I could pretty much tell you that LeBron James is not walking away from $46 million. He's not. So for anybody think that LeBron James is contemplating on the scenario of retirement, retiring is because he was trying to take all the, the lights off of Denver after what they did, after how they spanked him. What I will say about this story is Kyrie Irvin is just becoming more and more of a joke. You first come out at the end of the season practically and said it. You didn't say it. You had your own agent come out and your own team come out and say that you're going to go out there and see who could offer you a max deal. That Dallas is not the team that's going to be on your mind this offseason. That's what she said. And now all of a sudden, you want Dallas to pursue a trade for LeBron James to make a big three with Luka Doncic. First of all, Luka Doncic probably doesn't want to play with you anymore. Let's be honest. I'm willing to bet Luka does not want to play with you anymore. That's one. Number two, Why would Luka want LeBron James there when this is his team? If LeBron goes there, LeBron James will make it his team. And Luka didn't like that when Chris Stapps wanted to do that. So that would piss Luka off and that would demand to to anybody from the organization that he wants out. That's one. Number two. All right. Why would LeBron James leave L.A. right now? Unless some kind of scenario comes up that's worth his while, one. Two, is not going to cause friction in that locker room, which it probably will with Luka Doncic. Why would he want to go to Dallas? And try to win a championship with Dallas. The same Dallas Mavericks team that knocked him off the first year he went to Miami. And he couldn't stand that organization. Why would he go there? He's not even a Mark Cuban fan. He's pretty much come out and said that. So why would he play for Mark Cuban? That's two. Number three. Kyrie Irving over the last couple of weeks of the NBA season, has shown not only how dumb he really is as a professional, as a professional athlete, but not only that, has come out numerous amount of times. Numerous amount of times, and thrown himself under the bus in so many calculus ways. And, and, And it's a number of times that he puts himself out there where you have to laugh at him. And you have to say that this man doesn't understand the way the game is played. Or the way the game should be made when you are a free agent. You do not throw yourself under the bus and attack the organization on the on the aspects on why the organization didn't make the playoffs. Because at the end of the season, he said that it wasn't because of him that they didn't make the playoffs. He didn't want to take responsibility for it. He never wants to take responsi- responsibility for it. And then when you look at the big picture and you hear the stories that he doesn't want to be there, and now coming out and saying that he wants the Mavericks to pursue LeBron. How do you know if the Mavericks want you there? How do you know... If the Mavericks have any thought or any admirations to bring you back when Luka Doncic probably can't stand you... And the other thing we've
4: learned in the NBA, too, is big threes that are structured like the Miami Heat were with Wade, Bosh, and LeBron are becoming a dying art. There are other teams that have tried it, the Brooklyn Nets being the most recent example. And we know how that turned out, led by none other than Mr. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And that turned out to be the uh, clown show we always mock it to be. And this would be even worse, because then you're looking at a case of three $40 million contracts on your roster. Kyrie Irving might get a $50 million contract, the way that the Dallas will, it seems like they want to pay him, if that's the case and that'll be right at the salary cap on its own.
1: Dallas is not re-signing him.
4: I don't think so either. I just don't think the scenario is realistic because then you're going to have what is it 12 other guys on vet minimum contracts less than a million dollars. There's no depth like t- if teams take out one player all right, LeBron'll get his and Luka Doncic'll get his. That's still less than 100 points a game a lot of the time, too. Like it's just not good for the team.
1: In the NBA you need to score points. If you're not going to put over 100 points or at least two of your players are going to give you between 50 and 60 points a game, Your superstars, then you're you're in a position where the other three guys are not going to give you the consistency and your bench, if it's not giving you 30 to 40 points a game, if you're, you're your starting five can't do that, then you're in a position where you're scoring 90 to 95 points and you're not going to be able to compete with the better offensive teams in the NBA. So in the position, right now, when you look at the position where Dallas is, bringing back Kyrie Irving doesn't make any sense. That's one. And number two, in the position where this organization is moving, with Luka Doncic, if you want to make Luka happy, you want to make sure that he they bring in the right guys, the right pair of guys that could play with him consistently and make him be the number one priority of this organization. Because right now, I don't think Luka wants to be there. And I could also believe that Luka Doncic, who has, what, three years left on that contract, could demand being out. He was very upset about the Jalen Brunson thing. He did not like how the Dallas Mavericks handled that, when they could have given him a $55 million extension the year before. And he helped Luka take him all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year. And now this year, they didn't even make the playoffs. And they choked or whatever. Tanked. They tanked. (laughs) So in the position right now where Dallas is, I would stay far, far away from Kyrie Irving and make sure you can go to Luca in the offseason and say, Luka, what do you think? in the availability of players that we could trade for, or the availabilities that we see in free agency in the next two years, which would make you happy where we can contend for a championship. If there is nothing there, you have to let us know who you want to play with and who you don't want to play with. Because we all know this is a player's league now. Thank you to LeBron James. When we come back, we will be talking to Warriors play-by-play broadcaster, Tim Roy, here on the Sports Lab Mounts.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
3: Hi, this is Terry Cruz, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind, like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's diploma to 97779 and leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouth 631 672.
1: 3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths, which every, day, every week airs on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great show, great content, and great guests throughout the week. The week. Whatever you miss, go to Apple Podcasts, 1.6 million downloads. Keep downloading, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever you've missed, check us out throughout the week. And you can, whatever guests that you've missed, whatever content you want to hear, or you want to interact with us, or write to us, as I get a ton of emails attacking what I've said, not only on this show, but on other shows and other shows that I've been on or have asked to be on. I, I love it. So keep writing, keep sending me whatever content you want. I have no problems answering to anyone. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we haven't had him on for a while, but I'm very happy to have him on. I know he's a busy guy. Uh, not too busy this year because the playoffs uh, went. It came and it went. We're now talking to the Warriors play-by-play broadcaster, Tim Roy. Timmy, what's up, man?
5: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. It's a, It's kind of odd to not be working after this great run for the Warriors not to be working in June, but you get to appreciate just how special that run has been so far. And, uh, you know, just to, to, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get to an NBA Finals, and it just shows that with the personnel the Warriors have had over the last three years, they've done a tremendous job of getting to the Finals. So it, it's, it's great in one hand to get a break a little bit, but on the other hand, You'd rather be working in NBA Finals.
1: Well, I will say this. I've listened to your broadcast. You're fantastic. If nobody's listened to him, do play-by-play for the Warriors. Shame on you. This guy is as good as anybody in the game. And uh, I checked you out throughout uh, the first round of the playoffs. You were fantastic. So uh, congratulations on a great season. You always do a great job. And uh, keep up the good work. So how are you and your family doing from COVID? We haven't spoken to you since then. Are you guys okay?
5: Everything. Everybody's okay. You know, uh, both kids are out of the house now. Uh, they're they're grown. That just shows you I'm getting old, but uh, they uh, they're they're doing well with their respective uh, boyfriend girlfriend. And so, uh, yeah, we have no complaints right now. You know, we're just trying to to see what next year is going to bring. See what the summer is going to bring. It's nice to kind of going on vac- vacation. Haven't done that in a while, so that's going to be cool. Uh, and um, you. Know, by the way, I just want to mention this to anybody that's listening on the east coast that uh having been through it a number of times you know wildfire smoke is not to be messed with don't think oh i'm going to go out and run five miles you're not doing yourself any good doing that just just take it easy stay inside as much as you can and and it will go away but it's it's not anything to fool around with we got evacuated you know twice so it you really have to pay attention when you, when this stuff comes around.
1: No, I definitely smell it outside. Uh, my friend says you should be wearing a mask. I was like, listen, I'm in my car. Most of the day, my windows are open, but I'm not running. And there's really nothing I could do because if you shut the windows, you're still going to smell it. You still, <laughs> you still smell it. So yeah. it's not like I'm going to avoid it. So, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you, you just, you have to do what's best for whatever you could and, and, and stay in your house as long as you can. But, uh, you know, things happen, and uh, as everybody knows, the world is is a crazy place, and it just so happens there's over 250 like uh, wildfires over there in Canada, and they're trying to put it out, and some of them they can't even put out. It's it's horrible. So, and you know it uh, over there in California, it happens a lot. So uh, hopefully everything uh, you know gets better in the next couple of days and uh, things start to clear up because it's it's just ridiculous. It's uh, the smell. I walked outside today. I didn't even know what was going on. And then one of my one of the guys that listens to the show, he called me up and he said, he's like, uh, "Good luck in New York." I said, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "You smell smoke and you see smoke." I said, "Yeah." He's like, "There's a bunch of wildfires right now in Canada, so that's why you're dealing with it." So good luck. Uh, that's why I don't live in New York. <laughs> So why don't we get into it? There's a lot to get into with the Warriors, and I know you're a busy guy. Jordan Poole has been a big story over there in Golden State. It really, To me, uh, we've heard some things in the locker room and during practices with Draymond Green. Uh, we've heard some of the players in the locker room are not too fond of him, some people have said. But... Jordan Poole, they gave him a lot of money in the offseason last year. The guy's making a, a significant amount, and he's the future. He's the guy that I believe, moving on to the next decade of Warriors basketball, they believe Jordan Poole will be one of the leaders to this organization and this team. Where does this story kind of move forward from all the stuff that we heard throughout the season? Is it going to get better? Is Jordan Poole really want to be there? Or is there going to be a problem moving forward with Jordan Poole for the Golden State Warriors?
5: Well, first of all, I think we we always look at, you know, we tend to overreact to everything. You know, game one, oh, there's no overreaction. Game two. So there's a little bit of an overreaction going on here. But I think Jordan Poole just didn't have the kind of year that he had had the previous season. A lot of reasons for that. I think one of the reasons that people have not. You know, kind of looked at enough is that teams are now game planning for him. You know, before you're not worried about Poole because you got Curry, you got Clay Thompson, you got Wiggins to worry about. But now there are specific things that teams are doing to try to take Poole off his game. And so there's that, and he has to make an adjustment. The other part about this, too, is, and I, I had to remind myself listening to people talk about Jason Tatum of Boston. Tatum's not even in his prime yet. He's only 25. He's going into his prime in the next couple of years. Poole's very young. And so I, I think he, I kind of give him a little hall pass because of that, because he really should only be maybe a rookie or so or a second-year player in the league if you play four years of college. So I think there's there's a lot of decision-making that's going to have to come into where the Warriors go in the future. And then don't forget the new salary, uh, CBA, mm. which has you know draconian – Uh, you know, I I guess, penalties for teams that hit the second apron. And and I understand that they're uh, necessary for a lot of the other teams in the league, but that's staring the Warriors in the face. So there's a lot of of decisions have to be made, but I still think Jordan Poole is going to be a great player in the association. And, you know, I think if he wants to be a Warrior, I think he will be a Warrior.
4: So we saw even at the end of last year, too, into the playoffs and into the NBA Finals, too, besides Steph Curry obviously being as great as he is, we saw the team really taken over by those younger players. You saw Jordan Poole. You saw Andrew Wiggins, who, uh, besides Steph Curry, was probably the second-best player in the Finals, too. Do you see that path being like the case for the Warriors, or do you still see them hanging on to Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, keeping them in more feature roles?
5: Well, Clay Thompson did not have a good postseason to his standards, but he had a very good regular season. You go back and look at the – I think it was February or March. He led the league in made threes. He uh, got over two hundred made threes in the season. So I think Clay just didn't finish the year the way he wanted. Now, to my mind, and I'm not management, I'm not an owner, but I keep Draymond, Steph, and Clay for as long as you can. If you're not going to try to keep those guys as all-time warriors, then uh, you know why are you in this? I, I think you know these are guys you're going to put statues up of outside of Chase Center. So I still believe that those three guys, with help, can win an NBA title. And I think they still have another window of a couple of years. Now, you might say, well, okay, I'm the team announcer. Of course you're going to say that. But, you know, let's let's face it. if, If they don't have the distractions they had this year. And if they maybe split that first road series instead of going 0-4 at the very beginning of the year, maybe we're talking a little bit differently here. Go to the Lakers series. With a made pool three and a made curry three at the end of games, the Warriors may be up three games to one. And the Lakers would be facing elimination. And I think Golden State's a better matchup with Denver than the Lakers were. So who knows? I mean, these are all little things, but to me, I keep the core. I think they've, they've earned that. They deserve that. And I still think they can win with those guys. Now, again, going salaries and, you know, uh, fit with other players who other players fit with those guys. Those are all, you know, decisions that are made way above my pay grade. Mm And I'm I'm very happy not to have to make those decisions.
1: We are talking to warriors play by play broadcaster, Tim Roy. Now, Tim, there is a player that I I was very surprised, first of all, how the Golden State Warriors had a bad season, and then they get into the top three. They draft this guy, James Wiseman, who me and Speedy really, really loved. And he couldn't stay healthy for the first two years, and a lot of people were questioning what the Warriors did drafting him at number two. And then they trade him this past year to Detroit. Uh, a questionable move by for for a team that's really... About to, I wouldn't say rebuild, but like re-up with youth. And you had Jordan Poole and you had James Wiseman. Two players that you can build around for the future. And I understand they added pieces that could have helped them win this past year. But nevertheless, a player of that magnitude who's only 22 years old, you drafted him so high, you should have given him more time to develop. What were your thoughts when you heard that the Warriors were moving on from James Wiseman?
5: Well, you're always a little wondering, you know, about giving up a young player with potential, you know, because that can always come back to bite you. But two things. One, they they saved money, significant money on that deal, which helped them with their luxury tax. And they've been over the tax by a lot for most of this run. So I have no problem with that. You know, they've they've spent the money that has helped the Warriors get the championships by making great moves. And secondly – I think the the decision was that maybe if we're trying to develop and trying to win a title, that you can't really do that. So they go and get Gary Payton, who they know fits with the guys that they have. And the other hedge for Gary Payton is too, is that he's kind of you know he's right there as your guy coming off the bench because they're more than likely they're not going to be able to pay Dante Divincenzo. Next year. So now you've already got that guy under contract with Gary Payton, the second coming off your bench. Third thing that I've learned because I announced for bad teams for a long time, longer than I've announced for good teams. Of course. Uh, So uh, so what I observed over those times is that I am never going to fault a team for pushing all their chips out of the table and trying to win a title because that's what this is all about. It's all about winning a title. You can talk about developing for the future and that's great if you have to. But to me, if you have a chance to win a title, and I think the Warriors feel they do with this core, then push your cards in, you know, you can go and get a young player later after all those guys retire and start your development then. Um, so because, again, uh, this, these windows close. They close very quickly. You, know, you think about all the good teams uh, that the Warriors defeated en route to their titles, those good Memphis Grizzlies teams. You know, They're maybe a couple wins away from getting to an NBA Finals. And so uh, the good Oklahoma City team. Yes. You know, Go back and watch them in 2011. You had young Harden, young Durant, young Westbrook you know, Scotty Brooks was doing a great job with them. And you're looking at that team and you're thinking, wow, they're going to win three or four titles, but it all, you know, went haywire. You know, they never got that way. They trade hard and decide not to pay him. And, and look what happened. They
1: never got to that level. They again. also bumped so, into a buzzsaw named Miami. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. exactly. and
5: to, yeah, in the finals that year, they did, they did face the better team. So to me, the, the, I guess the, my rambling point is, you know, if you if you feel you can win a title and you sacrifice maybe a little bit of the future for that, I don't have a problem with that. I think you should do that.
4: So you the team they played in the first round of the playoffs, the Sacramento Kings, the highest scoring team in the NBA last year, and a lot of people were saying these are the new Warriors. They're shooting so many threes, they have that great backcourt. In broadcasting those games, did you see that kind of thing similarities what the Warriors were and what the Kings were?
5: Yeah, and it's it's also You know, when you're on the climb to respectability and to being a very good team, that's an exciting time. You know, it's it's all new. Everybody's excited. Your fans are excited. The players are excited. Everybody's good. And, And on a personal note, I think I'm very proud of the fact that I set a record in the first nine games of this postseason where I did not have to get on an airplane. Uh, seven games to two between Sacramento and Golden State, first two games at home against the Lakers, and that's a, that's a real milestone for me. But <laughs> Sacramento is a team I think that's going to be a handful for years because you know if you watch the moves they're, they're going to make in this upcoming offseason, I think they're going to try to bring in a couple of defenders, maybe like a 3-and-D guy. To try to help them on the defensive end, offensively they have no problems. They 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 just score and score and score. Mm. Uh, but and again, they're they're not an old team. They're going to get better because they're still very young. Uh, again, that's another team to keep an eye on in the West for years.
1: Tim, this is an end of an era, and one one person that's been a big part of this build is. Bob Myers, who stepped down this off season, and a lot of a lot of people now sitting and talking about the Golden State Warriors and what they're going to do moving forward without Bob, who has been a face of really this rebuild of a team, this championship build team, who really taught Kevin Durant to come here, a really. Uh, restructured Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. So they're happy. So they continue playing and winning and, and winning championships. And now Draymond Green, who's a free agent this year, I don't know if they're going to have the money to bring him back and if they do it, they will go over the luxury tax again. And There are teams looking for a defensive player like that. Like you said, Sacramento, there are quite a few other teams that might be looking for, uh, I guess, a power forward slash center that can give you the defense that you need, that anchor of your defense. What were your thoughts of Bob Meyer stepping down? I was very surprised when I heard that. And the future Draymond Green.
5: Well, first of all, uh, uh, a slight correction. Uh, Mm -hmm. Draymond's not necessarily a free agent. He can be. Yes. He can opt out, Mm -hmm. but he could also opt in. He's got an option on the table, so he could still become a Warrior. But I thought, knowing Bob a little bit, that you could tell he's an emotional guy. You know, he he cares about the people he works with. And so I think there's a toll there. You know, it's a hard job. You know, it's a hard job because the Warriors are in it to win it. They're not just saying, okay, we're going to throw these guys out here and we'll see how they play. They're constantly making moves. And so I thought you know the fact that he was there for over a decade is remarkable i think cuz it's a tough tough job and and again in in sports today where coaches are getting fired after 2 years and gms are getting canned and moved around uh for him to have this run was remarkable let me let me tell you about a couple of things he did i thought were fantastic one was go back to, if you want to go down the rabbit hole someday, go to basketball reference and pull up the Andre Iguodala trade. Mm. And look how complicated that trade was to get Utah to do what they did and to get Denver to, you know, settle for what they settled for and to get Andre, who was a big piece for the Warriors. That was an incredible deal. And then you mentioned Durant. The Warriors were ready. They knew the cap spike was coming so they could afford him. And they had everything in place. Barnes's contract was up. They knew they had a trade for Andrew Bogut if they needed to clear that space. And so when you know it hit, they were ready to make those moves. And so he was ready for that. He had been planning about that possibility. And then the other one was when Durant left. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, don't even think about it with the guys he drafted, but when Durant left, what did he? What did he do? He looks around, and says. Mm-hmm. We can't let him leave for nothing because if Durant just signed with Brooklyn, then the Warriors would lose that roster spot. They couldn't sign a free agent for that kind of money. So what they do, they sign D'Angelo Russell to a big deal. So they keep that roster spot two months in Russell's obviously not a good fit with golden state and they get Andrew Wiggins, which helps him win another title. That's the kind of, you know, thinking that he brought to the table, he and Joe Lacob and the rest of the team, you know, Bob was the centerpiece of all that, trying to, you know, organize everybody and get everybody's thoughts on it. So, he, you know, being part of a team that made those kind of moves, that's a great uh, part of his resume. I think he needed a break. And I think we'll see him back in sports, 100. You know, some capacity, sometime.
1: I think somebody's going to take him. I'm sure there are quite a few organizations that would love Bob Myers running their organization. So I expect it. Uh, you know, there are quite a few young teams. Maybe Detroit. I mean, he, they're they're building something special over there. I really love what Detroit's doing right now. And uh, as long as the health of their star point guard and uh, and, and obviously, Ivy continues to grow. I think they're going to be a dangerous team. And now they have James Wiseman, your guy. So uh, uh, that could be a consistent young team as we're watching Denver grow into the t- talented team that they are and, and still very young. And Sacramento and some of those Western Conference teams. So you're absolutely right.
5: So- yeah, Oklahoma City is another team to keep an eye on because – You know, they have all these draft picks, and at some point, they're going to look at their roster and say, How much younger do we really want to be? And then they're going to start moving those draft picks and a couple of these young players. To bring in a veteran, a couple of veterans, and then they may have something. They've got a lot of talent on that roster.
1: Maybe Kevin Durant again?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the city would allow that. I I'm just did.
1: saying. I mean, Kevin Durant seems like yeah. he likes to jump and, and, and jump ship in all different places. Why not back to go back to OKC and before you're done, you're done retiring, bring a championship home with whoever you have over there? Two other superstars. I had superstars. To live
5: through the cupcake wars. I don't want to go through that. Again,
4: so.
1: <laughs> or, you know, uh, Dream on Green dropping the uh, the leg or the foot or the hammer on people, if you know what I mean.
4: <laughs> okay, see, Thunder he fans are grabbed still... grabbed
5: by Stabonis. He was
4: great. <laughs> okay, see, Thunder fans are still scarred from the Steph Curry uh, half-court buzzer beater in 2016. Yeah.
5: Yeah, that was a, a remarkable shot. That's the other thing is that, you know, you... You know, Steph Curry's on the back nine. He's still going to be a really good player for years, but he's on the back nine of his career. Yes. And, and I was thinking the other day just how lucky I have been to be able to call those moments, and, and just a million of them. You know, he had a similar shot in Memphis, and, and uh, just all the plays that he makes. You know, at that Game 7 this year in Sacramento and, and the little speech he gave to the team before they got on the bus. Hmm. I mean, these are – these are Hall of Fame-type moments, and, and we're, we've all been lucky to kind of live in an era where Steph Curry's been around. Uh,
1: as everybody knows, we are talking to Warriors play-by-play broadcaster Tim Roy. Now, just so you know, I am not a Steph Curry fan. All right? I'm just, I'm just laying that on the line because everybody on this show wonders why I don't like the guy. I, I watched him play for Davidson. I, I loved him as a player, as a college player. Since he's come into the NBA, I question his attitude and his personality on the court. That's just me. All right, He's a great player. There's no question. I don't think he's a top-ten player of all time. ESPN has to stop. He's a great player. One of The greatest three-point shooter we've ever seen. There's no question that he is. But to put him as a top-ten player when there were so many greats, I think it's ridiculous. That's just my point here. But here's my question to, for you. You look at the Western Conference and the growth of the Western Conference. You see what Denver's doing right now in the playoffs. And I, I I still think they're going to win this series. I think they're the next Golden State Warrior team. I think they're going to win two or three championships in the next five years. They're talented. They have the best big man, probably the best player in the world on their team. And they have a great bunch of you know outcasted talent with Murray and Porter. Who is the next upcoming team besides them that you see in the Western Conference that could take it to that next level? Wow,
5: that's a good question. Um, The problem is there's so many good players in the Western Conference. I mean, even in the Pacific Division alone, you got Fox, the Bonus Durant, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Davis, LeBron, Steph, Clay, Draymond. There's great players littered all over the conference. But, you know, I think Oklahoma City is going to be good as a young team on the way up. Sacramento, we talked about them. I think they're going to be good for a long time. Whether or not either of those teams come to a, an NBA Finals, that I think that's still very much a question mark. Um, let me think. I think Portland's got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And and certainly the team. They're talking about Texas moving Damian Lillard. <laughs> Well, you know, I think I think any time a team has a really bad year and you've got a superstar on that team, you're gonna hear that story. Yeah. I've been around long enough to where you can almost predict. Okay, they're gonna. Yeah, when when does a Lillard, Lillard to the Knicks story come out? I don't want to hear it. I mean, please,
6: so,
5: uh, no. Th- th- let me say one thing about Steph, just to give you something to think about. Okay. about why I think he he will end up as a top ten player. One, he's the best shooter the game's ever seen. There's no, no question. No, no question about mm-hmm. that. And second, like Will Chamberlain and maybe like Magic Johnson, and you could, big, again, I, I could probably throw in George Mike and a few other players in the okay. history of the game. He changed the way we look at the game and how we play the game. He's been the impetus to this change, the way he developed his range. And, you know, I don't think the three point shot was the weapon that it was before Steph. And I think. That's what we see now. We see, we see college players and high school players with handles and three-point shooting because they've grown up watching Steph Curry play that way. And so I think his impact on the game, and he's helped change the way we play the game, I think puts him into that conversation. Tim, here's my problem. Yeah, I,
1: I understand it. I think it's ruining the game. I think the three-point shot has ruined the game. Every single and Mason,
5: every every yeah
1: everybody every single team is shooting 35 threes a game. I mean, what fun is that? I mean, they're chucking up threes. Every single player. You have big men that you wouldn't even dream to shoot threes. You got Ben Simmons, who couldn't hit a lick, and he's, he's tossing up air balls. I mean, this is the problem with the NBA. I think Steph Curry is is one of very few people that can shoot up a three every single time and probably hit it, okay? But yeah. now you have these young kids. They want to come into the NBA because they want to be another Steph Curry. They want to learn how to shoot the ball like Steph. It doesn't help the game. It's ruin the game because now the big man is not – there's no importance anymore of the big man. It really isn't. Well, They're playing everything no, I, small. I-
5: I disagree. I think the big man's still a huge role on defense, and I think that's one area the Warriors have to look at. They have to get a defensive big man this year. The the other thing about Steph is, Mm -hmm. look at the numbers. He's one of the best finishers of all time at the rim. Mm -hmm. I mean, he gets to the rim a lot Mm -hmm. and because of that three point threat, but I I think so does
1: James Harden. What does that tell you? (laughs) Well,
5: I'm not going to go there, but I could, um, here's, here's the other part about this that I think to give you a little hope here, I think we're slowly seeing, uh, mid-range and post-play starting to come back a little bit now. Mm. I think we're seeing teams throw the ball to the box. Even the Warriors do, but they do it not in a way to score. They throw the ball to the Draymond Green at the box, and he looks to pass. So I still think there's elements there, and I think like anything, the pendulum will swing back a little bit. We hope. And I think we'll see more of a DeMar DeRozan look and from certain players, and I think we'll see the value. In fact, I think to me, the the plays that drive me nuts right mm. now in our game are when a guy penetrates mm-hmm. and he's got a layup or an eight footer and he kicks it out to the the corner for a three. If you have a layup, take the layup, mm. take the points, as some people might say. But, you know, and <laughs> so that that's the part I think we need to change. I don't think. And I think if you do that, the number of three attempts will go down because people will start saying, well, okay, we'll take the two. We'll get the three next time we come down the floor.
1: I will say this. The league is starting to figure out that there's too much double dribbling uh, in the game because every single player does it. LeBron James has been the king of it. James Harden. And now everybody is doing it. I think the referees are watching. And then I, I watched in the last couple of series. I heard uh, how many times have we heard be, it being called in the Celtics series? I think we had it in one game. We saw it five, six times. So, I think the NBA is starting to figure this out, and, and, and it doesn't make any sense how players get three or four steps before they, they actually call a holding or whatever the heck well, they call it, double dribbling, yeah, whatever they, they call it now. They, they, the
5: gather has changed the way they call it the game. Yeah.
1: So what they do is that the step, as they pick
5: the ball up, that step you're mm-hmm. taking is not counted as a step. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Which I don't so, understand. But the ones that kill me, and I blame Alan Iverson for this, is when they dribble, stop, put their palm to the sky, hold the ball. And <laughs> so that, that's the one. That, that, that's my hot button on
4: Oh, Iverson. I miss
1: Alan, man. See, see Harold didn't want to tell you the difference. <laughs> yeah. Well,
5: with... well you, can't, you can't get on double dribbles and celebrate. know. I'm not, I'm not
1: celebrating him. I just think I miss him, okay? I, I miss his... His craziness. Practice? Practice? I mean, who doesn't miss Allen Iverson? And for anybody, and by the way, Eric Coleman, ex NFL player, ex partner of mine who did a, did a radio show on 103, I'm going to give you a shout out because I love you. For anybody to think James Harden is anywhere close to the player of Allen Iverson's talent is despicable. I want to choke. So, Eric, please stay in MSG. Keep doing that betting game or whatever the heck you're doing over there. I love you, man. But, uh, you 're wrong it 's not even to compare these two guys is is absolutely ridiculous
5: so here 's the thing about Iverson that you know I loved is that he never took a night off, Mm-mm. he came out, and when he was done, he was in full lather. Mm-hmm. he gave you effort he loved to play the game, and I think The other part about it was that one of the reasons why he and Larry Brown could have a great relationship was they both wanted to win, Hmm. you know. And so when Larry Brown would go to him and say, hey, look, we need you to pass the ball a little bit more, (laughs) Iverson may grumble, but he knew Larry wasn't talking about Iverson being selfish. He was talking about trying to win the game. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I I thought he was one of the best, you know, small players this game has ever seen. And unfortunately, you know, his – uh, personality mm. kind of overshadows his achievements.
1: Mm. Well, we love him, and we love you, <laughs> <laughs> Tim. The main
4: difference between Steph Curry and James Harden, Aaron whatever it up. James Harden gets away with five travels a game for the most part. He does, <laughs> and uh, Steph Curry's never shot thirty-one percent either. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I I, so I, I do want to throw up when I watch James Harden play. Okay, I just, I don't understand his. I understand that he has a, an unbelievable talent of getting to the hole and and drawing a foul. It's the problem that if James Harden played in the '90s, where you can toss people into different areas of the court and nobody would give a crap, and there weren't flagrant calls. If if you poke a guy in a forehead or poke him in his chin, now it's a it's a flagrant one, and you could be tossed out of a game with a flagrant too. So I I understand how the NBA is starting to move the game, but I, I just I think the NBA what made the NBA so great in the '90s was. There were teams that hated each other. There were players that hated right. each other. And now they love each other. They adore each other. They're the godfathers of each other's babies. They hang out in the offseason with each other. I don't want to hear that. I, I, Michael Jordan said it best on The Last Dance. When you go out there and you play, it's war. It is war. It's, it's the battle of nutrition. It's the battle of who wants it more. Why would you go out there and Shout out and kiss these guys' ass. That's what I loved about Isaiah. That's what I loved about Bill and, Beard and the and those... Nick teams of of the '90s with Anthony Mason, like you said, and Charles Oakley and Pat Riley. He never let anybody go up for easy layups, and that was my, what Michael Jordan said in his Hall, hall of Fame conversation. He, he said, "I I, I love playing Pat because I always knew it was going to be a challenge, and I had to do my and have my best games in Madison Square Garden. So, right. uh, that's what I love. That's what I loved about basketball, and it was my favorite sport. Now I just watch a bunch of little girls running around and, and getting fouled, and LeBron screaming." at the referees
3: oh he hurt
1: me the the
5: problem was that they let it go too far and so what happened was we were watching big guys just pound each other and the game lost a little bit of its beauty I think it's maybe a swung a little too much the other way right now yeah we need a little more physicality in the league but but the other you know the other part about it is too is that um, when the game's played well at the high level, like when the Warriors were playing well in their championship runs, like even last year, Steph going to Boston and you know, he's got smart banging on him. One grant Williams, an expo you know, th- that's beautiful basketball. When, when you're able to overcome that and play it that way, you know, the, um, the, the other thing I've been lucky as an announcer is that every, you know, warrior championship team had a couple of teams that they really didn't like.
1: Mm. well,
5: just muted myself one was that early the clippers the warriors and clippers did not like each other yes like griffin yeah. lob now they love they each,
1: other. each other now, now they love each other
5: houston the the rockets the james harden rockets and the warriors did not get along they don't like each other recently it's been memphis with dylan brooks and john moran and that crew <laughs> they didn't like each other <laughs> dylan brooks much. don't
1: like anybody so, <laughs> that,
5: well, yeah that, well, that's, again, that's the whole that's a whole nother show and, uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see who's going to offer him a contract this
1: year. I, if, I was a, if I was running the Knicks, I'd, I'd be offering him a contract. I think he's funny. I think he puts a little bit of that pizzazz. You, you know that, that Rodman type of feeling when he's on the court. That, you know what, F you, you don't like it, F you, I don't care, F you. That's, that's who he is, and I, I, I love that about him. Anyways, Timmy, we really Thanks. appreciate you. You're fantastic. <laughs> You really are. And go on. Go on your vacation. Enjoy your vacation, man, with your wife and, and, and spend some time with your kids and maybe soon grandchildren. I don't want to throw you under the bus here. but you
5: know. No, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, I don't think it's any time uh, coming soon here, but I'm not putting any pressure on them either. So <laughs> let, them, let them do their own thing. And, and you know, I, I'm really lucky. I, both of my kids are, are a minimum of trouble. They're great kids mm-hmm. and uh, been very lucky that way.
1: Well, we've been very lucky to have you, and we will talk to you a lot sooner than we have. I want to apologize to you, but, you know, we've had so many great guests on the show, and you're one of those guys that, you know, we, when we've interviewed you in the past, you were fantastic. And you've always given us good content and, and content that we can throw out there for all the Golden State Warrior fans. So we really appreciate your time, my friend.
5: It's been my pleasure, guys. Thanks for asking.
1: Absolutely. Tim Roy, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic broadcaster, play-by-play guy. And and let me tell you something. I don't know about Steph Curry being a top-ten player, Tim, but I will tell you he is one of the greatest shooters, the greatest shooter I've ever seen, and uh, definitely a personality on and off the court. There's no question that he is. And the NBA is very lucky to have him. We're going to go to a very quick break, and when we come back, we got another play-by-play guy. With the Grizzlies, there's a lot to get into with broadcaster and friend of the show, Eric Hasseltine, here on the Sports Loud
0: Mouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. <laughs> <laughs>
1: 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Lab Mounts. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speeder, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. They are live. You can interact with us all over the social media world. We're on like 20 different platforms. And, yeah, Spotify, 29,000 listens last month. Fantastic. Thank you to all the fans. Whatever people hate us, I'm sorry that you hate us, whatever. I I don't care. But uh, you can keep on emailing me. I will answer all your emails. If it's hate, or good, I don't care. I will answer them. We've, I've answered 20 of them over the last two weeks. Thank you to all the fans that have written to me. Enjoy. Anyways, uh, we have a great show of broadcasters. We had one in Tim Roy. He was fantastic with the Warriors, as always. And now, a very good friend. He, he's a guy that we haven't spoken to for a while as well. Been very, very busy as well as he should be. Uh, we are now talking to Grizzlies play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltine. Eric, what's up, man?
7: Well, you know, Tim is one of my mentors. Mm. I worked with Tim in Sacramento like 30 years ago mm. when he was on his way up and I was just getting started. So uh, seeing him on there and, and him saying that that rivalry is like the new hated team. Oh, yeah, it's, he's not wrong.
3: <laughs> uh,
7: last year's playoff series and San Francisco is kind of my home area. I grew up about 30 miles East of there in a town called Walnut Creek. Uh, I didn't wear a lot of Grizzlies gear walking around the streets of San Francisco in between games because I I just figured the guys driving by were telling me I was number one. But I always use the index figure for number one. They out there like to use the middle finger. For number one, so I was like, you're right, buddy. I'm number one. I don't know why. You're using the wrong finger, though, guys. And uh, they didn't think that was funny either. So I, a milkshake or two may have gotten thrown my way, but um, no, that was fun. And and to hear Tim talk about it, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm with you. I like when teams don't like each other. I like those rivalries. I like going into arenas where they don't like you, mm-hmm. and and where even walking in as the radio guy, there might be somebody that says something. That means people care. Um, and you know, like you said right there with your your listeners, I. I preferred people to call me and tell me like, Hey, this, this segment stunk when Mm -hmm. I had a show or I didn't like this or you do this. And then I'd say, well, tell me what I can do better. And I would get more people converted by just saying, well, then what do you think? Like, what do you, what do you want to know we're not perfect you know no one's perfect no team is perfect no host is perfect no show is perfect we're going to say what we think
1: and speak if you for yourself mr Hasseltine. you
7: throwing a beer at me at the bar doesn't <laughs> change that you didn't like but tell me why you didn't like what i said so we can maybe <laughs> fix it and like get on a common ground or if you're just that dumb then you know then i can't fix stupid <laughs>
1: Well, speak for yourself, Mr. Hasseltine. I am perfect at everything. I'm just kidding. it. I, I like I, <laughs> that. Though. I,
7: I'd like to think that, but my, my 11-year-old will study it
1: not. So. Honestly, honestly, I could care less what people think. But I like, I like being the hated one. I, I like when people... Tell me, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm an idiot and that I get attacked you on like YouTube. you like having an opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You like having
7: an opinion and you like believing in your opinion and you like saying, hey, this is what I believe and I think I'm right. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I like that too.
1: Yeah, I Knowledge. Know.
7: The, guys, the the shows that I can't stand are the guys that <clears> like, Hey, you're great. No, you're great. No, you're great. No, your opinion's right. No, you're right. No, I, want, I wanted to work with guys. I wanted to butt heads. Oh, I'm one of those guys. say, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying about James Harden. In this case, I agree with you mm-hmm. 100%. Allen Iverson was, to me, twice the player James Harden is. I, <laughs> like, I think James Harden's fine, but yes. I think he's manipulated the game yes. to a way in, to benefit him, which I can't fault him for. I can't fault him for that one bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's guys that I've said, I don't know how you can think this. And, uh, you know, and it, it, there's always a player or two that can get that going. I'll never forget when I first moved to Memphis, someone once asked me uh, if I thought Peyton Manning or Dante Culpepper oh, were a better quarterback. Oh, and I said, well, I, I think Dante, at the time, that's when he was tearing it up with the yes. Vikings. I said, hey, as good as Dante is, I, I just like the way Peyton throws the ball. And the guy goes, well, then you're a racist. And I went, okay, you right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's, let's let's leave that there. I was like, yeah, you're right, because I cared about that. I actually care about his right arm, not what the color of his right arm. Is.
1: <laughs> I live at it. I, I, everybody attacks me, but you don't want to know something. I don't care if they attack me. Yeah. It, knowledge is power. Okay, and 100%. if you think you have more knowledge than I do, right. I'm going to attack your knowledge against it. You know, right. so. And, right. and if you don't feel – and there are a lot of guys that I've – that have hit me up on YouTube or hit me up in other kind of ways, even fans that call me off air and then I've befriended. They tell me that I do this and I do that, and I say, you know what? If you don't like what I do, why do you listen? That's right. what I say. Why do you listen?
7: Exactly. You're the one listening.
1: Yeah, so, so it, that's the facts. And you want to know something? Personally, Eric, everybody has a right of their own opinion. Nothing is okay. Right. Nobody is always right. But I could tell you this. I am right more than I'm wrong. And everything that I've said, everything that I've said, including baseball, I told everybody before the season started, Seattle is not going to be as good as they were last year. Speedy, I came right into the studio. What did I say? What did I say to you?
4: You yep. called it. For, he was I, I said the it. I said,
1: what did I tell you? I, I thought it was – not that I didn't think the team had talent. I thought – They were high on what they were doing, especially at the trade deadline, adding a pitcher and doing the things that they did. Everybody was like, oh, this is the up-and-coming team. And I also said that I believe Texas was going to be a borderline playoff team this year. And what are they right now? They're a borderline playoff team. Now, I'm not always right.
7: Seattle's employing a bold strategy of letting teams score 10, 11, 12 runs a game and trying to win. 100%. I don't know if it's going to be successful long-term, but nope. as a guy who loves baseball, I would tend to think that 12 runs a game allowed over <laughs> like a three-game stretch, probably not going to win you a lot of games. No. Whereas, you know, Tampa Bay is another one. I And a good friend of mine is working in their PR department. And I looked at that lineup. I said, you know what? They've got some guys that ball. They've got some guys that can play. Mm-hmm. Can they put it together? Losing Kiermaier, is that going to, how bad is that going to hurt them? But their pitchers, I had seen them, and there's just an attitude down there of it's them against the world. Yep. They play in this stadium. Everybody calls awful, and I, I remember going into the first time. I said, "Y'all want to see awful? I'll, I'll get you out to Oakland, and we can talk about that because that's where I grew up going, and it's still falling apart." And that was 30 years ago that I was going to games we've,
1: with my so We've interviewed what? guys that are on Tampa, on the Rays right now, that have been on this show and told us, don't count out the Rays. Before the season even started, he told us, don't count out the Rays. The Rays have right. always put things together that has made it work over the years. It doesn't matter the talent, the superstar names on the roster. If they can go out there and put up the numbers and give you four or five runs and the pitchers can keep you to under three, under four, you're going to win. So.
7: Something about that coaching staff, too. Kevin yeah. Cash gets those oh. guys to, to play. I'm not a big Kevin and, and Cash fan. And, the, and the, the guys around the position coaches yeah. do as well. They lo- I, I've watched them lose pitchers that you go, ooh, that's a tough loss. You know, losing Rasmussen. Uh, you know, Sh- Sugar Shane's awesome. And, yes. And you know that, but he even he had a little arm trouble. They've lost Fairbanks. They've lost guys that can...
1: Listen to you with the baseball knowledge. I'm loving and
7: it. And they, I, I love the game. Mm. I mean, that's that was where I, I grew up because I, <laughs> I, I realized real quick in basketball being short, not being able to dribble or jump, but you know, <laughs> you can shoot a little bit. But I, I would have been better with today's game where they would just say, hey, stick in the corner and just shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I love all sports and showed for me watching that is and watching teams excel when they don't have a blank checkbook is always interesting. Hundred Like I pull for teams like Tampa. I pull for teams like Pittsburgh. I grew up an A's fan and it breaks my heart every year to see guys, you know, when you have the two corner infielders that have gold gloves and mm-hmm. Chapman and Olson, and they're both gone in one offseason, And then you got to rebuild with everybody. I looked at their spring training roster and I did the, the major league. I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> I didn't drop the F bomb because my kid was looking at me, but I was like, who are these guys? I mean, it's like straight out of the movie. And you're going, Yeah, they stink and they're gonna be awful. And but then they, you know, with young teams like that, yep. we'll see them right now. What are they now? After two wins in a row, fourteen I think they're fourteen 40, wins now. Fourteen <laughs> wins and forty two losses. Two years before no, they're over fifty now, losses. Yeah, like fifty two losses, sorry. <laughs> but I would venture a guess you watch them post all star break when those young kids start learning how to play at this yes. level. It reminds me of those eighty nine, ninety Braves teams. Mm-hmm. That basically brought those pitchers up, Smoltz and Glavin and Avery at the time. They ended up trading for Maddox, and they said, "Look, you're going to go out this year, and you're going to get your teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. You're going to and what I think one of them was seven and seventeen, one was like eight and nineteen. And their ERAs were four, five, four, which at that time was huge. All right. Um, and then all of a sudden, they figured out how to get guys out, and guys like Ron Gant and Chipper Jones came up, and they learned how to hit major league pitching. They threw them to the wolves. Yeah. And I've always believed. If you have a quarterback, the same way in football, if you have a quarterback that can handle not being successful right away, like a Peyton Manning who threw multiple interceptions, I I think, what, 20-plus his rookie year. Zach Wilson.
1: (laughs) I made a joke. I made a joke, Zach Wilson. (laughs) Zach Wilson.
7: Well, I don't know that Zach is handling it as well, obviously. But in today's today's game, it's hard to do that because it's win now or lose millions in Mm -hmm. revenue and teams don't want to lose millions. And back then it was like, Hey, we're, you know, the, the money wasn't, I think the almighty dollar has changed a lot. Of Of course, you know, you look at NBA where we're obviously going to spend some time. You're talking about every coach that's won a finals in the last four years, except Steve Kerr got fired this
1: year. It's crazy. Now
7: they've gotten hired again. Like Nick nurse is getting hired. Monty Williams, who went to a finals getting hired, Mike Budenholzer will get hired. But like when they fired Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee, I'm like, yo, the guy's brother died. Yeah. Like, of course he might have been a little scatterbrained, but I no excuse. You get to Monty Williams in Phoenix, new owner comes in, they don't exactly connect. And I, I've heard various stories of you know whose fault it was, who cares? Like, if you're the head coach, in my opinion. You gotta make it work. Mm. The owner's got the the bank account that starts with a B, you have the bank account that starts with an M. Mm. There's difference. You go with the guy with the B and you you say, Hey, look, what do I need to do to make you happy? Yeah. To an extent. But if he's not willing to meet you there either, then you also have to be uh, a pro about it and go, All right, well, I don't wanna work for you. Right. I'll get another job. But you have Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer, all gone. They they've hung banners. They they have rings that are still shiny. Right. We're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about Casey Jones from the Boston Celtics, right. rest in peace, you know, being brought up out of the dead or somebody like that, like that won a title 40 years ago. And all of a sudden they're too old to coach. These are all guys in their coaching prime. And the only one that survived is Steve Kerr.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. We are talking to Grizzlies play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltine. So, Eric, let's get into the NBA. and yes. There's a lot going on with the Grizzlies. And I know... <laughs> um, you this... mentioned Dylan Brooks. Yes. yes we we I'm mentioned sure. Dylan Brooks. I
7: was listening. I was watching. Yeah.
1: John Moran has been the biggest story in the yes. NBA. And uh, I know a lot of people are softly... We We interviewed Chris Childs. Uh, about two weeks ago and he sure. said that he he wanted to he reached out to the gm and said he would love to sit down with john Morant and have a conversation a with him that, yeah. yes and jaw is one of the most talented players in the nba and memphis has been dealing with a lot for the last i would say last couple of months and then this instagram thing has really thrown him under the bus and now the nba is uh, obviously um trying to figure out on how much they're going to suspend him and where yeah. this this thing is going to go moving forward forward with John ja Morant. When you look at Memphis and you look at the position that they're in right now with John ja Morant, sure. if this happens again, all right, let's say oh. this happens again, and so he spotted, I don't care if it's a toy gun, real gun, right. BB That's gun right. or pell- 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 pellet gun, no if, if it gets seen again on social media, do you believe that Memphis needs to move on from John? Ja?
7: I would say that that would probably be in their best interest because you know if after twice first of all i I don't i I can't explain why young people and being old and i am old now i I tend to think i'm not uh, but i i realize i'm on the fifth floor of life um, (laughs) and i don't understand the whole i need you to see what i'm doing You know, I don't need you to see what I had for lunch. I don't need you to see where I went Friday night with my friends on the road in Milwaukee. I don't need you to see that one of my friends got us hooked up for a concert and we were, you know, in the VIP area and then front row center stage at this concert series in Memphis with, you know, a band that everybody would know. And so, you know, whatever. I, I don't need to share that. I'll tell my friends. And if I want to take a picture, I can send it to my friends. Hey, look, I, I thought I saw you there. <laughs> what a great show this was. I, I don't need that. I don't crave that attention. I, I, and, and for whatever reason, the younger generation, because that's how they've interacted with each other, seems to crave that attention. They want to tell you what they're doing. They want to share everything they're doing they want to share their score on Fortnite. they want to share (laughs) their grade on an english paper they want to share their teacher yelling at their they want to video everything i i can't tell you how many videos i've seen that just blow my mind of kids watching some kid getting the snot kicked out of them by three kids Mm -hmm. and you got three guys bigger than all of them filming it right i want my I, i told my kid if i ever see you if i ever see a film of you watching someone get triple teamed and you don't go in and try to help unless, you know, like you really are fearful of your own safety, then you and I are going to have a talk after. Because what you should do is put the phone away and go in there and go, hey, one-on-one's fine, three-on-one's not. But that's just the way they they think. And, okay, I can accept that. I'm older. But for a professional athlete to me, it's like I, I remember the days where what they did outside the court, you didn't know about. Right. You knew about if you were on the inside, you knew about if you were friends with them, you knew about if they told you there weren't 78 people at every location snapping a picture. And some of them are so paranoid now that if you have your phone out and they'll walk into a place, they'll be like, why would you take my picture? And Mm -hmm. I've I've heard this happen. And the person goes, I I wasn't taking your picture. I was sending a text message. You pointed (laughs) your camera right at me. I was holding my phone in my hand. You happen to be in that line. But there are some that are paranoid about it because they don't want everything they do to be out there, which I get. And Mm -hmm. I I feel for them in that aspect. But they also make millions of dollars playing a game. And this is one of the Mm trade-offs. But to be in a situation where you know what's happened in the past and to, again, break out your phone and do something that apparently he did. You know, obviously, we've seen the video. And you go, like, dude, why? Why are you going (laughs) on this social media channel live like what what are you gaining out of this Mm -hmm. that's what i always ask people like what are you gaining by posting an instagram picture of you and three buddies pounding shots i'm not talking about job but just in general right 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 right. what are you gaining by showing an instagram video of you doing a a, an irish car bomb faster than anybody else nothing like nobody's thinking oh boy that's isn't he cool you might think it is (laughs) but no and it, if anything, it's only going to do more damage. And how many athletes have we seen from when they were young, posted something, posted some lyrics to a song Absolutely. that now get looked at as offensive? A racist, you know, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, he said this when he was 17 years old and now he's 23. It doesn't leave. It never leaves. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you guys, it's why I went through at one point and I, I, I had, you know, a bad relationship and I'm like, the last thing I need... Is this person that I was dating to go onto my social media and say something? You know what? I'm just going to get rid of it because I don't use it anyway. And the only thing I'm getting out of it is negativity. I hated to leave a couple of the outlets because I had connected with a lot of friends from high school and moving away from California to Tennessee. It was a great way to say, hey, good to hear from you. Now I'm like, you know what? The people I care about enough, they have my phone number. And if they don't have my phone number, they know somebody who does. Right. And if I don't know them and they want to reach out to me, my email is not hard to find. It's really not if you look me up. It's right there on the internet. But no one will do that. And so I just think that open door for everybody is dangerous. And then when you put a young kid who wants people to continue to follow him and continue to think, hey, he hung the moon and, hey, he's got all of this, aside from what his obvious talents are, and then you just start doing things and you don't think, yo. like At some point – and I think – it's a growing up process. And I think we, because of this, if it was the third time, like you asked, like you would have to say, look, man, like if you can't stop doing it, like, and you can't stop getting in trouble with it and you're not going to get off of it. You're gonna, the, like having a player that's going to get in trouble with this is, is not beneficial to an organization. And the sad thing is, this is the first true superstar they have really had. I tell people all the time, uh, what I know of the young man couldn't be a nicer guy. He sees my son, who's 11, and he acts like he's one of the team. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, I have a little bit of a, a an advantage there, being around the team on a daily basis. But he treats him like he's you know he he says hello to him. He says he says hi. Does all these things. When I see him on the team bus, we ride the same bus together over to the arena. He always asks me how he's doing. He he's very polite. He's very nice. We talk about his daughter. We talk about things outside of basketball. When I've interviewed him no problems whatsoever, but you can't, you know, just like everybody else, we've all had friends that on, you know, on one side, you see one person, then they go out with their other friends and there's a different side to that. Of course. And if you can't control that different side when you go out and I've had friends like this too, where you, they turn into somebody else and someone who isn't really thinking straight. It's the guy who after two shots of whiskey wants to fight everybody in the bar. Mm-hmm. It's the guy who after a couple of beers says the most abrasive thing to either his girlfriend or someone who's trying to date. And you're just like, yo dude, like what is wrong with, you? <laughs> but you need a friend to step in and say, what is wrong with you? And the problem is when you're that popular, it's hard for people to say, Hey, you can't do this because you're afraid you're going to upset the guy that, that is, is there. So his talents are undeniable. This whole situation has been unfortunate to say the least. Um, obviously the Denver situation in March set the tone mm-hmm. and, Again, there's ways to avoid all of this, and, and the first is obvious: put the phone away. The second are there are ways to, to if you want to do that stuff, don't don't show it to everybody. But here's the other thing: in this city, and I, I'm not trying to knock Memphis, but Memphis has got some rough around the edges part. New York does too. Like you go to mm-hmm. Philly, you go to New York, you go to any big city where you wave a, a, a firearm around in the wrong guy's face. They don't care if you invented the game of basketball. That's not going to end well. And so
1: we know what happened to Lorenzo Wright. Okay.
7: uh, Yes. Oh boy. Yeah,
1: and and (laughs) that's a shame. (laughs) One of the great, one of the great players that I I used to love Lorenzo when he was drafted. I I watched him play. He was such a nice guy. He Um, he always gave his time to the fans. And and what happened to him in Memphis? You know what I mean? And yeah,
7: so, and that's that. that was unfortunate. Yes. Obviously, the the, the twenty twenty stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you real quick. I'll tell you a funny story about him. And turn, and had nothing to do with him. Our mm-hmm. first time as an organization, and I say our, even though I've never put on a jersey. Um, he's playing for Hubie Brown, and they get they draw the Spurs in the first round, and right. everybody thinks they're gonna they're gonna be fine. They beat them four zero in the season. Yeah, in three of those games, this guy Tim Duncan didn't play. <laughs> He's healthy. So this isn't going to be the cakewalk you guys think. I think San Antonio was the three and the Grizzlies were the eighth. And the first game, it was just like, okay, welcome to the show, young guys, because it was a young team. And Lorenzen was the starting center. And the next day, it's shoot-around. And Hubie Brown in that gravelly voice, and I love Hubie. with With every ounce of my being, Hubie was – one of my favorite guys ever, and still to this day when I see him, it's so fun to talk about the old days. And he looks, and he's, he's given the, the practice speech, and he's like, hey, look, it's a damn pick and roll. And he looks at Lorenzo, and he goes, Lorenzo. And Lorenzen doesn't turn his head. He goes, Lorenzo. And he doesn't turn his head, and he goes, Lorenzo, did you forget your damn name? And he go, I go, I was like, dude, his name's Lorenzen. And the whole team is dying laughing. Like Jason Williams may not stand up because he's laughing so hard, and Lorenzo finally looks and he goes, yeah, coach. And so I see him after the practice, I go, hey, what's up, Lorenzo? And he goes, you believe that, S? And I go, yeah, come on, man. I go, you know who he is. He calls Stromile Stromiel. And he goes, good point. And Lorenzen was just a, a gem and he took all of that. So, you know, we, we would laugh about that. And I saw him many times. But, yeah, Memphis is tough. And you, you start – Doing stuff like that, yeah. it's dangerous, and that's that's more what I worry about for you. Yeah. Basketball aside, these times, you know, you, you just can't be just going, hey, look, I, I, I'm i holding this, yeah. and the wrong guy's going to think the wrong thing. So I wish nothing but the best for the NBA. Same, Same here. We're all going to find out what the NBA's decision the is. The NBA has to
1: give him 30 days. If they don't... I,
7: yeah, I, you know, I don't... If they're taking this long, yes. that's not a good thing for this team. Now... They have a very, very capable backup. But to miss a guy that's as electric as that and the damage it's done to his reputation, uh, you know, around the league, hopefully he's still young enough where that can recover because yeah. his talent's undeniable.
1: 30 games would be the, the number for me. That's, that's the way I would look. And it'll only teach him a lesson and let him learn well, sure. the position that he's in. Yeah.
4: So, in terms of the off-season approach, because of the pending suspension, depending on how long it is, like in your time, right. even when John ja Morant was hurt this season, broadcasting the Grizzlies, like what did you see in them, and do you think they have to make any additional moves to uh, to change those chances?
7: Well, I, I honestly believe this, and this I don't want to sound like a Homer, uh, and I know they do sign my paychecks, but I, I've always been very <laughs> honest about it. I honestly felt like the loss of Ja was in, in those in that stretch was obviously very difficult, and the, and the way that he came back and put a a cloud over But the the biggest problem for this team in this season was losing Steven Adams in Phoenix, uh, diving on the floor and hurting his knee and not coming back. We thought he'd be back right after All-Star break. He never came back. And that same night where all the jaw things happened that got swept under the rug was Brandon Clark ruptured his Achilles. And I am a big believer that Brandon Clark is that X-factor guy for this Mm -hmm. team that we talk about five years later and go, hey, you remember how good that guy was. Well, you don't advance past Minnesota last year without Brandon Clark. And when he went down, and I- I've known Brandon since he was a rookie with this organization, uh, a terrific young man, seeing him in the team elevator, I happened to get there at the same time, the look on his face, you know, I- we all knew it was ruptured, but he was just devastated. And knowing what that type of injury is, as you guys know, that's the injury players fear. Mm-hmm. You don't fear the ACL as much anymore. Your Achilles goes, and especially a guy that relies on elevation, explosiveness, you don't know if you're going to get that back. You don't know if you're going to be able to be the same player. And he was terrified. He's just, just this look on his face. That, they have Adams and, and Clark as, as well as the Lakers played, and I'm giving them that. They played very, very well, especially game one here where they got Rui Hachimura uh, and Austin Reeves. Both dropped nearly 30, and Reeves played fantastic the entire series. Hachimura played really well the whole series. They got their X-Factor guys to outplay the Grizzlies bench, so I'm not going to say it's a stone-cold lock they win that series, but they're not going to give up nearly as many second-chance points as they did, and I think that gives them an edge. If they get by the Lakers, I like their chances if those guys are healthy moving forward against a Golden State team that didn't have the same size. They had some different looks to them this year. Um, It would have been interesting to see the rematch, and then who knows, but Without Adams and without Clark, honestly, going into that Lakers series, when the Lakers made that comeback in the play-in tournament, I went, "That's the worst possible draw you can have." Because Davis will crash the offensive glass. LeBron will will eat up the trash talk from not only Dylan Brooks but other members on the team, and he will use that to fuel himself. When LeBron went to that press conference after, do you guys remember that? Yeah, I and do. They said, "What do you think about Memphis?" And mm-hmm. he rattled off a three-minute spiel about yep. everything. Every one of the players has done, but no, I haven't thought about him at all. And he kind of winked and I went, oh boy, we better be on our toes come game one because that dude's coming. He's coming to try to put the young guys in their place. And they did. And I tipped my cap, but nice to be healthy, but that's not always the way the league works. So I think in the off season, what you have to find is a bigger, more athletic backup than Xavier Tillman, who did an admirable job and you'll get Santi Aldama with another year of experience under his belt. But you're going to need an athletic big, and you're going to need a bigger big to to close off that offensive glass. I think you're pretty well set around the wings. I think you're pretty feeling pretty good about your opportunities. The biggest offseason development for this team is going to be if Zaire Williams can be back to the end of his rookie year mm. as compared to where he was this year. That was the most bizarre thing to me, and I felt awful for the young man because – when we played the first preseason game in Milwaukee in October and neither team started anybody Zaire Williams was the best player on the court and it wasn't even a doubt like draft picks rookies take your pick Zaire Williams was going anywhere and everywhere he wanted he clearly was better when he was in summer league before that he was just clearly better than guys and he gets 10 tonight is because he grew mm-hmm. because he went from 69 and a half almost 610 to doggone near 6'11", mm-hmm. but his body didn't respond right. And he doesn't play for a long stretch. And when he comes out, no offense to him, the shot wasn't there. I mean, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat for five <laughs> games. And that's not his fault. He just wasn't in NBA rhythm. That happens. But it, it it did some damage to his confidence. And I'll never forget the game in Golden State uh, after Christmas, the one in January they lost again. They played a month apart, almost to the day if I'm not mistaken and he missed a defensive assignment and missed a late shot in the game and I've rarely seen players wear their emotions the way he did to where I said yo man we got 41 more of these after this let it go it's one game but he's trying so hard to get back to where he felt like he was that it's just eating at you and that's part of the growing up process. Hopefully this offseason that'll happen. He looked better down the stretch. If he can step in and fill some of the void that's going to be left by Dylan Brooks's parting ways with the team, whether that's better offense or not quite he won't be the same defender because Dylan's an all-NBA defender. But if he can defend the passing lanes, which he did pretty well and use his length, then I think that gives you some opportunity to see what David Roddy can do in year two, to see what Jake LaRavia, if he gets healthy, can do in year two, and to use a mid-20s pick to try to get another long wing. Or do you maybe just go with a guy like you know somebody that's big and down there? They had Walker Kessler, and they made that draft day trade to get you know David Roddy. And Walker Kessler turned out to be a pretty good player out of Auburn in his rookie season in, in Utah you could use a guy like that right now here to, to bolster the roster at a low contract rate for three years.
1: Hmm. As everybody knows, we are talking to Grizzlies play-by-play broadcaster, Eric Hasseltine. Eric, uh, there's, there's been an off season. It's been off season, off season, last off season. I thought they got robbed because if John Morant was hundred percent healthy, they eliminate yeah. golden state and golden state don't win a title last year. I, I really believe that. I think that, The John Morant Grizzlies last year could absolutely surprise the world in one... The NBA championship. That's how well they played throughout the second half of the season. And going into the season, they were unstoppable. And one of the guys was Jaron Jackson, who
5: yeah.
1: uh, he was drafted a couple of years, he was a top pick, and everybody was questioning his offensive ability over the last two seasons. And then this year, he had an all-star year, he made the all-star team, and, and really put up the numbers that we expected him when he was drafted. He's more known for his defense, and his ability to defend right. different positions but now he's he's grown a shot. He has the ability to go to the hole at will. And he's been an all-around 50% shooter this year, which is the highest percentage he's had. What are your thoughts to Jared Jackson? Do you think he he's taken that step? Do you think that he could be a star or superstar in this league moving forward with the Grizzlies?
4: Oh,
7: yeah. I I the, We talked about it a lot as a group of broadcasters where he's figured out that if he squares guys up in this league almost – you know, there's very few that if he squares you up at 14 feet, you're not stopping him. And he went to the rim much more aggressively this year. Um, He didn't rely on the three-point shot. His rookie year, you know, people were asking about his durability. His rookie year, um, they sat him towards the end of the year because he was a little banged up. They weren't going to be in the playoffs. So that was kind of a, hey, we're not going to, we're going to let you sit. We know what you're capable of. His second year, he had a Good season. He's playing lights out in the bubble. That was the COVID year. And he blows his knee in the Portland game in the bubble in game three. And not coincidentally, they lost a lot of games. He missed basically the entire next year. He comes back. They're in that playoff series with Utah, but he's not the same player. When he was on the floor healthy the following season, their defense went when he finally came back, their defense went from the first 20 games being at the bottom of the league to ending up 62 games later after the first 20 being dead last to being number one and the same thing this year he has a foot injury stress fracture he comes back around christmas they're 25th 26th in defense they finished top two in the league in just about everything defensively he wins defensive player of the year no disrespect to brooke lopez i thought brooke played really well defensively mm-hmm. but there was no question in my mind who the defensive player of the year was watching him and granted i see him night in night out the impact he makes, the shots he changes, the hands he gets on deflections, not just block shots. And he came in and said, I want to be known as the best defensive player in the league. My offense will follow suit. Well, it followed suit this year because multiple times I damn near blew the microphone out because he (laughs) squared a guy up, cocked it with his left hand and ripped one through the net with a dunk that you're like, yo, he finally figured it out. Mm -hmm. He's got it. have to respect it. And his three-point shooting could tick up a shade, but – you know, depending on what the situation is, those are numbers. I'm not expecting him to be Desmond Bain. If he shoots 36% from three, fantastic. But if you can't stop him 15 feet and in, they'll know shots are going to be more open. Or, you know, you can't go up and press out on him like that. you got to say, pick your poison. And he's growing up. I think a lot of it, you know, he was the one guy, maybe Tyus because of his, you know, McDonald's All-American stuff. They're the two guys that really were thought of as prodigies when you look at this roster. Most of the other guys were thought of as a nice player, maybe, and they make it to the NBA. So they play with that chip on on their shoulder. But Jaron's chip comes from everybody thinks, oh, my dad just paved the way for me because he played in the NBA. And they don't realize he was undrafted. And he told his son, you want to stick around the league, you better be able to shoot. I don't care how big you are. His mom's very, very intelligent as well. So there's a great base there for him. And the way he was utilized his freshman year at Michigan State, nothing against Tom Izzo. And even Tom Izzo said, eh, watching him play, maybe I should have played him a few more minutes that freshman year. He took that to heart and said, I've got it. You know, I can't just walk through this. And he was dominant at La Lumiere and, and in high school with... You had him and Jordan Poole. Well, of course that team is in the national championship tournament, making the finals. You have two NBA guys that are awesome, Uh, but it was easy for him. Like find me a high school kid. That's going to stop him night in night out. It's not going to happen. There aren't NBA guys that can do it, but he's now figured out that he's got more to his repertoire than, than people expected. And you watching him use his left hand as a right-handed player is really impressive because he's really focused on that. Now he's starting to go back to his right side because he's proven he can go left and you can't just overload that right side. So he thinks it through. I think his best years are ahead of him. It would not surprise me to see him make two or three more all-star games. I don't know that he's perennial because of there might be a year where somebody ticks up in the, in the big man category and takes that away. Or because like you were talking about with Tim, the big man isn't as focused upon at times and, I tend to honor that, that with Tim where I think it's coming back a little bit, and I think Jaron's one of the guys that can help bring it back because if you give me a 90% opportunity of a guy to score, I'm going to take it. And like Tim, I, it drove me nuts <laughs> watching some playoff games where guys have three-on-ones and they flare to the wings. I'm like, no, 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 this is the playoffs. Two points can shift the game. You're going to go to the wing, and yeah, it's an open three, but that's still a 50% shot. You got about a 99% shot of making that open layup, and I'd rather have the two points in a playoff game. And that I think group, people man. are going to start realizing that when you leave points on the board, it can affect your long-term. One game can change the season. Two games can change the season. Now, the analytics will still tell you, you got to take this, you got to take that. I've always said, too, when it comes to analytics, if you can't make a 17-foot wide-open jump shot, there's another league calling your name, and it's not the NBA.
1: Well, we like should that, tell that, that should to Ben Simmons. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, well, I, there's a case or two that's a <laughs> Even as bad as he is shooting the basketball, he's still 6'10 and can handle the ball. Yeah. He, again, a lot of times, it's, as you guys have seen, I was talking about the NBA Finals the other day, and I said, you know that Houston Rockets series, even though they swept Orlando and vindicated them, it's one of, the, one of my favorites. Because literally, if Nick Anderson makes those two free throws, mm-hmm. who knows? Yep. And they got swept because Nick Anderson was never the same. And the team was never seen. Two I mean, free throws. I watched two 30 free for 30. In a yeah. 48 minute game, albeit clutch free throws, but they're done. It's over. And, you know, look, when you lose your confidence in this game, it's, it's like any other sport. We've seen it in baseball. How does a second baseman not be able to make a throw? Steve Sachs.
1: Chuck who, Knobloch.
7: <laughs> being from Sacramento, having met him, he said, I, I couldn't figure it out. Chuck Knobloch was another one. How does both a, Yankees, a by the way? How does a golfer dominate uh, and, and then all of a sudden they can't make a cut? You know, guys that were j- – David Duvall mm-hmm. was the best golfer in the world and two years later, he's struggling to make cuts. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. You start losing confidence, it doesn't matter. Basketball is the same way. Quarterbacks that have phenomenal years, and all of a sudden, apparently they're throwing to the other team because that's a good option for them. Not a good option <laughs> ever. Don't throw it to the other team. But we see guys lose confidence they're they're hesitant in their emotions, whatever. That's you're, you're never going to be successful. So um, I think watching Jaron's confidence grow, getting back to that, is why I think it's only going to get better. And the great thing about him is he stayed grounded the whole time. Like he knew what his role was. He's fine with job being the superstar. He's fine with Desmond Bain being option two in most offensive situations. But you saw Taylor Jenkins, who I think is a phenomenal head coach, by the way. Mm -hmm. You saw him get made sure Jaron got touches early because working, you know, one of my partners is Elliot Perry. And my right shoulder has a, a mark on it still probably now from the season where he would hit me during the game going Yo, why don't they set a play up for Jaron? I'm like, I don't know, but can you stop hitting me? <laughs> it's starting to hurt. And you were a professional athlete, and even though you were only 175 pounds, and now I think you're 165, you still hit hard and chopping me in the shoulder four times, asking why Jaron's not getting a high pick and roll. I- I'm not going to have the answer after the fifth time you hit me. So not hitting me five times. Like I joked with him on the air, and he would laugh. But then they started doing it, and then he went from hitting me to grabbing me. And I said, okay, look, now I've got a, a line, and now I've got fingerprints. People are going to think I'm going to So, 50. Uh, but when players can see it, and the players can see if you get this guy isolated in a situation like that, and it's on the player, too, to recognize it. And we started seeing Jaron at the end of the year, recognize when someone was – there was no chance at their size they could stop him. He – just, you could just see, okay, I got you.
3: Mm. And
7: that was different this year. So he'll, he'll move forward for sure.
1: Eric, we really appreciate you. You're, you're fantastic. You're, not only did you give us information on, on the questions that we asked, you gave us more information that we probably didn't know. So. And a petition
4: uh, for Memphis to get an MLB team.
1: 100%. Uh, no, as, I,
7: I need my A's to, I, I needed them to move to Nashville. Oh. <laughs> uh, what they've done though. So, you know, I don't want to say it too badly. Like, I, here in Memphis, when my son gets out of high school, I am more than fine selling the house that we've kind of I've kind of <laughs> raised him in because it's it's good size, got a pool. But when he's gone, I'm like, cool, I'll go move into an apartment downtown during the season, <laughs> and I'll spend the summers in Vegas <laughs> watching <laughs> Hayes baseball. Uh, and you're that big of an
1: athletic anything. fan? Very interesting.
7: Nothing against nothing against Memphis, but it's Vegas in the summer, and my baseball team's playing there. Yeah, yeah, I, I can rent a place there for a couple of months.
1: Hundred percent. Stay away
7: from the casinos because I'll have baseball games to go to and then fi- probably find my way into a blackjack table or two. at, at that time. You're not um, retiring anytime I, soon. No, I'm not retiring anytime soon. They're going to pry me out of that seat. I don't know that I'll go to 80, but um, <laughs> I'd love to get to 3,000 games. You know, Tim. Tim's pushing that number. Uh, to see guys that that helped me get there, uh, achieving a lot of milestones is awesome. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be here, to be honest with you. I know you guys had them on. Tim's one of my favorite humans on the planet. I texted him right after you guys were done with him. I said, "I'm on next. Big shoes to fill, uh, because without him, I don't have the confidence to to do what I've done." And so I, I love it. I love being able to watch a game and tell people what happens. I love being able to talk to guys like you, you guys, and come back on the show. So call me anytime, and uh, we'll do it again.
1: We really appreciate your time as always, and keep up the good work. Uh, and and uh, I say go Memphis. I want to see the young team actually take it to the next level. I think they have. The players, I don't think they need much. They have a pick this year. Uh, I want right. to see what they do with the pick. I think they have a very good chance to be an elite team for many, many years to come. If John Moran just stays out of the tabloids, that's that's yeah. the, most, the most important thing for that organization is to keep him out of the limelight. he's going he to be interesting, too, with, to with
7: that, not only the pick, but what do they do with Dylan yeah. if, if someone wants to that doesn't have the cap space, but wants him and has somebody that maybe can fit you. Mm-hmm. Is there a sign and trade there as well? So it'll be interesting. No doubt. The next couple of weeks are going to be really interesting for this franchise. Eric. Thank you guys. Thank you,
1: Eric hasseltine Fantastic. As always, uh, we had Tim on, we had Mr. hasseltime on, uh, two fantastic guys, two fantastic play by play guys. And, Man, did they give us information on both their teams and their organizations and where they're going moving forward. Both of them think that they're still contenders. That There's no question. Uh, as the teams are paying their bills and paying their checks, they're not going to throw their team under the bus. But uh, boy, oh boy, the information that we got tonight. And and it's been all basketball. But, uh, you know, as, as everything that's going on in the NBA, uh, I, I think the season's almost over. You have, I think Miami's up right now. They I were running less than I looked. <laughs> Could you imagine Miami win this series? I would be shocked. Honestly. One
4: point nuggets right now, but the heater shooting free throws. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to uh, the success of Tim Roy and Eric Castle and continue doing it because these guys have a lot more years left and uh, I can only pray that I have a career like they am. Th- they do. And I don't, you know, obviously, I don't do much play-by-play. Me and Speed are actually doing play-by-play for Long Island Elite on Wednesday next week. We're going to be doing our show Tuesday, and we're going to be doing at at University of Columbia. And we're going to do play-by-play for all the kids over there, all the big Long Island and New Jersey Youth athletes from the ages of ten and fourteen. So we're very excited about that. I know Speedy is. He loves doing play by play. That's what he wants to do. He that wants field to do is Columbia.
4: gorgeous too over there. I've so. never been there. So you were there in 2019 with us, with, with me, and I think it was me. Was and it Mike Columbia? Just, yeah, it was at Columbia. Yeah, that field. That was all the ones out. Little mountains in the background. Really? Too. Was it Columbia? It was I, 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 yeah. No, that was Columbia.
1: Wow. Well, I don't remember. I, I I forgot. Actually, yes. I picked up my tablet.
4: Right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, ah, right. okay. Yes, I remember the fields. And I remember
4: your remembered... neighbors
1: were yelling at us because we were too loud, right?
4: Right. And you, I, remember you, I remember you had a bet. I forget what it was. It, mm-hmm. You had a bet that you ended up winning it. You were, like, so happy. Like, one of the kids had a, 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 a touchdown pass or something or one of the teams to win. I don't remember. But you ended up winning the bet with, with me. It was funny.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, I know you love it. And I know you love doing play-by-play, and I don't mind doing play-by-play. I like rather doing color because I can I can be my natural self and be funny and lay you know whatever I know about the st- you know the 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 offensive p- playing that they're running or they're running a certain you know their certain nickel package or whatever the heck they're doing. Uh, you know I like you know saying it, but Speedy is the knowledgeable guy that sees the the plays before they happen. And as a matter of fact, we did before we get to. Uh, the rest of the show, we have uh, Let's Parlay that will probably be coming in in the next five minutes. I, I will say this. I'll never forget it. Uh, it was last summer. We were doing play-by-play for Long Island Elite, and it was like it was like a 12-hour day. It was eight, eight, 12-hour day or something like that. They told us it was going to be three hours. Remember, we're going to do that. Yeah, no, like... it was supposed to be
4: like three games or four games in yeah. three hours. It started to be seven games in like six hours, seven hours. That, yeah. It had to
1: be longer than that because we started early in the morning, and we didn't get done until it got dark. So it was like it was like eight to eight or something like that. It was ridiculous. And uh I, I remember it was a Sunday mm-hmm. and I remember the referees, they there were so many penalties and Speedy was calling the penalties before the referees were. And the referees came up. Actually, Ben came up to me with one of the referees and he said, you have to tell the kid to be quiet. I'm not calling the the, the penalties. He might be right. It's a penalty and, and and what he's calling it. But I'm not calling it. So now I have to call it because he's saying it's a penalty. So it was very, very funny. Um, but uh, oh, listen, uh, we love doing it. And we, we give a shout out to Ben uh, for – for letting us be involved with the organization and the, we do okay with them and uh they love us over there so um uh, we're looking forward to doing Wednesday's 495 Elite tournaments uh, tournaments over there and uh Columbia University, and we were there. I, f- I forgot we were there. Yeah,
4: 2019. It was alternate 2018. The first year it was the first year I did it. Mikey C did it. Cause I think you were at the uh, the uh, the U.S. Open, I think, or something like that. So you knows. came later. I did it with Mikey C that year. That was at LIU Post, and then the following year was at Columbia.
1: Yeah, Mikey C. Uh, that's interesting. Him doing color. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah, that was quote unquote interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, with Mikey C, it's always interesting. I'm not, we're very lucky that he actually showed up on time because he usually doesn't. True. <laughs> but uh anyways uh to get back in we we do have let's parlay it'll probably they'll probably be coming in in the next couple of minutes um, i want to get into a couple of football you know conversations first thing uh dalvin cook the vikings have made it obvious that they will trade or release dalvin cook very soon but are still holding out hope for a trade. If they are able to trade Cook, the Vikings would save $11 million of cap space. They would only save $9 million if they were forced to cut him. According to KSTP sports reporter Darren Wolfson, the Jets and the Cowboys are the latest teams to express interest in Cook. Michael Kliss of Nine News reports the Broncos also have interest in Cook, but only If he is released multiple reports believe the Dolphins and the Vikings nearly had a deal for Cook during the NFL draft. The Dolphins and Bills were the two teams Dalvin Cook mentioned that he would love or be interested in playing for. He was born in Miami, so that would be his hometown team. And. His younger brother, uh, James, plays for the Bills. Cook has $14.1 million of cap space and $10.4 million base salary this season. Dalvin Cook is, I believe, an elite rusher. And I, I believe what he's capable of doing on, on the football field not many running backs in the NFL could do. Last year, he stayed fairly healthy. He really did. For a guy that, over the three-year span, he has been out for a significant amount of time, year in and year out, back problems, knee problems, ankle problems. This year, he played, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 14 or 15 games. Yeah, he
4: played all but one game, and he was only he was limited in one other one.
1: Yeah, so he played, naturally, almost 14 to 15 full games last year and stayed fairly healthy. So the the questions and the... Uh, The statements from this Minnesota Vikings team that Dalvin Cook could be traded or released makes absolutely no sense. You look at the talent that they have offensively. They added offensive talent in the draft in the first round, a wide receiver. Uh, They also have Jefferson, probably the best wide receiver in all of football right now. Dalvin Cook still had over 1,000 yards. He still had, I think, six or seven touchdowns last year when it was a throw first, throw second, run third type of team. So to have those kind of numbers and to put up the numbers and stay healthy like he did last year, the understanding on or the, the thoughts on why they're thinking about releasing or moving on for him, it makes
4: no sense. You wonder if they're trying to make those moves to be able to get the money shirt up for defense because their offense is pretty much set because their offensive line has been very good, too. You talk about the way that teams have been able to build up their offense a lot. A lot of the draft picks they had after that 2018 Cousins first year where their line was just atrocious. Since then, they've drafted Garrett Bradbury. They drafted Christian Darasol, Brian O'Neill, guys like that, and if they've shirt up that line nicely. But the defense is where Mike Zimmer built when he first coached, and that all of a sudden started to fall apart. And now they were one of the worst defenses last year. They were, I think, the third worst pass defense last year, which is not ideal. So maybe that's where the money's going to be going. But, yeah, you wonder why they're trying to do Cook now. In a year, he was hyper-efficient. So even though he didn't have the same volume, he was still very good.
1: I think also the way the NFL and some of these GMs are starting to work their teams and move on from certain players of their teams is is the age difference. Now, if you look at... Obviously the talent and and what he produces in Dalvin Cook when he is on the field there are not many running backs that can do what he can do catch the ball in the backfield be a wide receiver prototype running back in this league and be dominant the thing is is as a running back he's what going to be 27 28 years old yeah he's 28 he's on the really the top end of his career as a running back because usually running backs don't last until the age of, uh, uh, till the end of the age of thirty, and then they're done. We've seen a lot of running backs, great running backs, and Gurley. Gurley, I don't even think lasted till he was thirty. No,
4: he had a five year peak. Yeah. Uh, three of those years he was healthy, he was fantastic, but then he also got hurt right at the end of it. Then he went to the Falcons. They tried for the one year, and it didn't work.
1: I mean, not many people are Adrian Peterson. Okay, right. Adrian Peterson was a special player. Curtis Martin was a special player. Barry Sanders, who retired young, he played ten years. Ten years of football and still was a dominant force. And then you got guys that, obviously, Brown, who may rest in peace, he played, what, six years? And, and he retired. He, he retired at the top of his game. Running backs get the worst when it comes to beatings. And that's why, prototypically, you're seeing teams now use the running backs as wide receivers, and that might give those players an opportunity to play longer in the NFL, especially if they continue with their speed. But again, you have guys like wide receivers like Odell Beckham. Even you look at Adams, Devontae Adams, who who got that big contract, that long-term contract last year and had a good season still. But what is he, 27, 28? How many years does Devontae Adams have before Las Vegas decides to trade him or cut him or release him? Two years? He'll be at the age of 30 and at the tail end of his career. These – Offensive players, besides quarterbacks, they don't last that long. They really don't. Maybe because of the turf now, their knees, uh, ankle problems. They don't keep their speed. So you have to be uh, one of those prototype players that can do everything. If you want to be on this uh, uh, in the NFL offensively in the career at one of those big-time positions. As a wide receiver, tight end. How, how long do tight ends last? Yeah, no, there
4: are a lot of tight ends are injury-prone as it is. Six and years? Seven we were, years? We were talking about it uh, a couple weeks ago with a lot of our fantasy and our draft guys that were saying, like, the drop-off between Travis Kelsey and the next best tight end yeah. is, is pretty big. And then like that pool of two through six, like, they're all good, but like, they're not consistently like, as good as they could be type thing either. And
1: Offensive players don't last. Yeah, they and, don't, except yeah. the quarterbacks. And even the quarterbacks, they have to be elite to play 20 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, half of these quarterbacks... Carlson Wentz, how long do you think he's going to last in the NFL? (laughs) Uh, Honestly. (laughs) And he's still pretty good.
4: He's a free agent right now. (laughs)
1: He's still pretty good. And if I were the Jets, I'd bring him in as a backup quarterback because I can't trust Zach Wilson if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt this year. You need consistency. You need a guy that's going to be able to get into, get into the game and help win games need be if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt for that game or that half where he might not be back until the week or the week after. So you need a consistent quarterback that's going to help you get into the playoffs and I don't think the Jets have it. There are a lot of teams that don't have consistency at the quarterback position. So I look at the offensive challenges that some of these teams have, and I can see why Minnesota wants to move on. But is this the right move for Minnesota, especially in a division that they could still win, especially in a, in a conference that's horrible? So, uh, and yes, they choked last year. They choked against the Giants. They absolutely did. And, and honestly, the Giants were the better team in that, going into that game. And the reason why is the Giants understood how to stop them. You stop Jefferson, you stop the team.
4: Right. He had four catches on the first drive. Didn't have a catch the rest of the game. Yeah,
1: and they didn't run the ball with Dalvin Cook. They didn't throw the ball to Dalvin Cook. They were still forcing the ball to Adam Thielen when they couldn't get it. And Adam Thielen's not the same player he once was. And you could see that... The turn, that's why he, they decided to part ways. He went to Carolina. The game is different, and, and, and it's become a speed game, defensively, offensively, everything, even the quarterback. Right. You have to be mobile. If you're not a mobile quarterback, yes, there are quarterbacks that's still in the league that could play the pocket-present type of quarterback. But go look. Go look at each team right now. Even the old quarterbacks that are still playing, they are mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, The last one is gone. Tom Brady is gone. I, I there, you're looking at the, there are mobile, there are pocket present quarterbacks still in the league. Um, Jared Goff, I mean, he is a pocket quarterback. He doesn't really, but he can still move inside it. Uh, you have, uh, Burrow, who, but he's a good, he's a good player when he gets out of the pocket and he has right. to make a play with his legs. He's not fast. He's like Aaron Rodgers, but he can, he's very good when it comes to moving and, and using that ability, that athletic ability that he has. So Burrow on the runs. Yes, absolutely. So again, I I I look at the league and I look at these players. They don't play long, and I, I again, I, I question. Look look at Jones. Julio Jones was the best, one of the top five, six, seven players in the league for what five, six years. Yep. And how quick did he break down? Where he was a nobody. I mean, seriously. Twenty nineteen, it started. Yeah, he's falling. And, fall and he was like time. what thirty years old when he was breaking down. Uh huh. I I mean, it's crazy. Thirty. He's a kid. I mean. Honestly, that's a kid. But, you know, in football years, that's old for a wide receiver because of the, the beatings that he's doing to his legs, the practices, everything. It, it, it's a lot on your ankles and your hamstrings and everything like that. And the training in the off season to get your body in shape for the season and to go through now an extra game in and, and the preseason and all that other stuff and OTAs, it's a lot. It's, a, it's an absolute lot. So I, I'm interested to see where, where Dalvin Cook goes. I don't see Buffalo. I don't I, – I. why would – I understand he wants to play with his brother, but why would his brother want him there? Because if he goes there, he doesn't play. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So why would he want his brother there? Uh, and we know, we know the talent that he is. And also, the the Broncos, I can't see him going to the Broncos. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins are interesting. Because they make
4: the most sense to me. <laughs>
1: because after what Buffalo did with Leonard Floyd, he signed one year, and uh-huh. he is now going to be one of their linebackers. Buffalo needed to make a move – uh, this off season, they really didn't do anything, and now they added Leonard Floyd, who's who had nine sacks last year with the Rams. So I'm interested to see where uh, the position Buffalo is, and some of these teams are going to be moving forward in, in, in this year in preseason and then the regular season. So there's a lot and. Yeah.
4: And Miami makes I mean, the most sense I think too because like Miami has a scheme that's very exotic. It's, so it's not the, the Jets,
1: Brooks so I know Jet rubber. fans want to see it. Yeah. It's, it's not like... gonna happen. If Brees Hall everything we heard Robert Salah say over the weekend, he GPSed himself miles per hour, what he's running, he was running twenty two miles per oh, hour, wow. or something like okay. that. And that he's he 's a hundred percent healthy, they believe he 'll be a hundred percent ready for week one of the NFL season but it's still even though he can run like that and he could shift like that he 's still going to it 's going to take him a couple of weeks to figure things out and and get that that motion back that he was and bringing in a dalvin cook doesn 't hurt them. I just I question bringing in a Dalvin Cook when you have other possible moves that you can make that can make this defensive secondary even better uh, with safety. And safeties, yeah. yeah, and 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 question some of the acquisitions they've made offensively this offseason as well. Yeah, and again, uh, Buffalo, I think, it makes a lot of
4: sense with the brother there. But at the same time, I think they just need more of a bruiser. Like, I think a trade for Derrick Henry makes more sense for the Buffalo Bills because yes. they need somebody that could take goal line carries away from Josh Allen. They have enough shifty They get Derrick Henry,
1: that's going to be scary.
4: Yeah. J- James Cook, I mean, he's not Dalvin Cook, but, he, like, he's shifty in his own right. They just signed Damian Harris, who's very agile, too, and he's a good pass-catching back. And Dalvin Cook, the one thing that I think hurt his stock with the Vikings, he dropped off as a pass-catching. Like, he wasn't the same guy. That's
1: because of the coach.
4: Just because of the coach. I. Again, Todd Gurley, it was the same coaching staff with Sean McVay. He still had that volume there. People were thinking... Cooks but Sean good.
1: McVay didn't like to throw the ball to the, tw- uh, to the running backs either. He liked to run, 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 run. Beat them up. All the guys that played under Sean McVay, they love to do that. And then right. it's a different game when you have those guys. Gurley played under Sean McVay. He did in his first year. Yes. He was
4: an MVP candidate because of
1: that. He beat him up. Every single running back that he has had, he's beaten those running backs up. It doesn't work when you look at what a lot of these teams have done and the way they run their offenses, you question some of the things that these coaches have done to certain players in such a short time in their careers.
4: And that's why I don't think the Jets or the Cowboys make a no. lot of
1: sense because Pollard's already a good
4: pass catching back as it is too. And Zeke Jets,
1: would make sense with the Jets.
4: Yeah, Zeke would make sense. I think he's going to go to the Eagles but I think he would make sense with the Jets. But Miami I think is perfect because they do need an agile runner too. The offense that's already spread out as it is with the way they use their wide receivers and the creativity of that scheme it makes too much sense. The Bills, like I Said they need more of a bruiser type running back to play in the snow because they struggled running the ball badly in that playoff game against the Bengals and just to take some goal line carries off of Josh Allen so he's not getting beaten up all the time either. Mm. The Broncos, maybe for cheap, but again, I don't think Minnesota's just going to impulsively cut him at this point. And we've seen Minnesota in this regime. They brought Harrison Smith back for a, a smaller contract, they brought back Everson Griffin a couple years ago for a smaller contract. They might cut him and then just sign him back to something smaller.
1: All right, when we come back, it looks like we just have Chaz as of right now. We might have more. Uh, When we come back, we'll have Let's Parlay here on the Sports Loudmouths.
0: You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths.
1: 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to The Sports loud Loudmouth. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speeder, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, 9 p.m. on Thursdays. Listen to all our shows throughout the week. They are live. Tune in. Go check out the, the times that they're going to be playing. Uh, I know a lot of the shows, including uh, The Wise Guys, that uh, they – multiplying days because we don't know when Trey wants to put on a show. So hopefully he is calculated on what he is going to do moving forward on network because he's all over the place. But Josh came on, on, on Fridays. Uh, we are bringing back caged in MMA. I'm going to be airing a show once a month for, uh, combat sports. It'll just be me talking and probably interviewing MMA or uh, mixed martial artists or boxers on the show, so it'll be fun. We're going we're going to bring back the MMA and the mixed combat sports. So I'm very excited about that. As Conor McGregor and uh, Michael Chandler in the next Ultimate Fighter is going on as we speak today. So uh, well, not today, but yesterday. But uh, very excited. Is it today? Uh, no, I think it's Tuesday. So uh, yeah. So we're very excited to, uh, to get back to the MMA world. And, I, you know, it's no more Anthony Andorosi. I know he would, he would love to join me. Uh, he's had his own uh, you know health scares and health problems. So hopefully Anthony is getting better. Maybe one day I'll have him on as a guest uh, helping me out because I do miss his craziness as always. But it seems like it's only Chaz tonight. There is no Derek. There is no Wes. There is no John of Johns or whoever. It is just Chazzy and us. Now, as we call this segment, let's parlay. Parlay, ole ole ole.
0: It's time for let's parlay.
1: Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. I know you're a busy man. We're very happy to have you on.
3: You know what? When you um, are a host, Mm -hmm. you know. P-I-T-A, involved in getting people, because Uh everyone has their life. Life. And for some reason, they think their life's more important than our life. Uh. I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. But anyway, no, no, you know what? I, I reached out to a few people. I'm going to the game. I'm gonna go watch the Aztecs play. I'm going to the bullpen. You make it, you make it. You don't make it, you don't make it. I don't care. It's not changing my impact. We go to Vegas every year. Well, you guys have never been, have you? Oh, I've been to Vegas. Yes. To our AFC, NFC Better Way weekend. That's what I. No,
1: thinking. we've never been there. No.
3: Right. We started it on the show, and actually, one of the girls that was working with us on the radio was a really nice. Guy. <laughs> she came up with the idea. Uh, we call it our betaway weekend because it's a getaway weekend for the guys, but we bet the whole time, you know, and um, it's the same thing. You're a big boy. You want to watch the game in the sportsbook What with this? You want to go play poker? You want to go to the strip club? God bless you. You know, you got my phone. I'll have it on. If answer, good. We'll do okay. I've got it. There's a couple things that I want to remind you. The horse races, we can't cover them when we talk on the Weekend Crunch. Mm-hmm. Because they're already over. Right. But we could talk on them today.
1: Yeah, and you can give your winners so, today, and uh, gosh, maybe. I mean, we had, $18 horse, mm-hmm. uh, we had
3: an eighteen-dollar horse, a sixteen-dollar horse. We had an easy winner this weekend. He only paid three seventy. But so you bet two dollars and you got back three seventy. You look at that from a sports betting perspective. It's like minus one something, one twenty-five, maybe. I don't know. So in that respect um i got some i got some nuggets here i just got a i got a a new one did you hear the horses died yeah by 12 of them yeah
1: that's not good what are they feeding them
3: them, (laughs) they moved the uh horses to ellis park Mm. and in the third race saturday at ellis park we have a horse running called classic legacy now why do I know that? Because this is one of the 34 horses that I went to the Daily Racing Forum, and I said, hey, set up a watch for this horse. Now, I have like a stable of 34 horses if they work out, if they get entered, if they scratch, if they run, and what the results are, I get an email. So it's great because this is the first year I did it, and, and I did not anticipate the bounty of my actions when i was doing them you know i was just doing them to, to really try to figure out the kentucky derby and i think i did okay if you remember right mm-hmm. so all of a sudden all that not really hard work but a little bit of work is like paying me because i didn't think about what's the prep races are over guys these horses scatter all over the country And there's no way you're going to find them you may have weekends you don't even buy the racing form. never mind know who's running in the third race um at ellis park you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so uh, so it's been it's been cool but i mean you gotta understand, hitting a 17 18 horse is a big deal Mm -hmm. it's like hitting a four team it's like sweeping tonight if we gave up four picks and hit every single one of them
1: they beef it on four picks the
3: plays that were that night for the guys were winners
1: well, I I will say this: the uh, beef. I
3: remember, as I said goodbye last week, I I was betting those bets, hmm. and they both cashed. Both uh, Jonathan and uh, Derek.
1: Looks like John's so. trying to get in.
3: Uh... All right, so uh, so that's a horse that I couldn't talk to you about when I talked to you on Friday. I normally talk to you on Friday. There's another one. Uh, this is Belmont Race Eight. This is number twelve, Gilmore. He's a long shot too. I know that. I don't know what the odds on Classic Legacy are, and I, I don't care. I don't care what the odds are because the bottom line is I'm not betting them because I've read the racing form. I'm betting them because I follow these horses. This is I did this one time. I saw a horse run at Del Mar. I said, wow, look how that horse closed. The next time I bet him, he did nothing. The next time I bet him, he did nothing. But did I quit on him, guys? Do I look like a quitter to you? <laughs> I bet him 20 across the board. He was 99 to 1, but that's because it only had two digits. He ended up going off at 104 to 1. And he won the race, and I had twenty to win, twenty to place, and twenty to show, and it, was, it looked like thirty seven hundred dollars.
1: Wow, good for so you! It was pretty cool. Good for
3: you. All right, so and then uh, you know what? Uh, what? How far are you from the Belmont Saturday? In
1: I'm. I am not far from the Belmont. i a- actually. I usually. Every, every year I go to the big race at the Belmont every year and uh, I get invited by Belmont. Do you, go, do
3: you guys go like here? In... I get to
1: the press. I work in the press area.
3: In Southern California, we would never tell you we're 50 miles no. from no. a place because no, 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 no. It, traffic is in Southern California. It dictates everything. Yeah. In your world, it's the same thing. So how long does it take you? If you left right now, how long would it take you to get to Belmont?
1: If, is it, are you talking about the Belmont stakes when, when the big race is there?
3: That, you yeah, know. The racetrack itself, just uh, the racetrack, um, for the game,
1: depending, for uh, depending on the day, uh, it probably take you about, yes. you know, 45 minutes. That's
3: doable. Yeah. When we go to San Diego, it's three hours. You yeah, know? it's 45 Denmark, minutes. of course, for me, 13 minutes. So.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's nice. So I, the
3: Belmont yeah. Stakes is 7 o'clock on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? So we'll, we'll, we won't be on the air seven o'clock Saturday so I'm gonna tell you what what I've got there are four horses that we have received daily racing form entry emails about number two number six number eight and number nine okay I'm just simply gonna box those four horses I'm not even gonna look at the racing form but the number one horse and the number two horse have the same first name they're both tappet horses first one number one is tappet shoes and the second one, number two, is tap it twice, So it's th- three times trice. You know? <laughs> but whatever you see, this is, a, this is a tip that is more valuable than if I gave you a four-teamer. This is kind of a teach them the fish rather than give them a fish moment right here on the loud mounts. What it is, is if you see any time a horse race that you're looking at has the same names in both horses, you bet a four dollars. $2 exacta box. You bet the two tapping horses because I tell you it happens a lot. And almost always one of them is a bomb. And this one, the number one, is a bomb. And so for that four dollars, sometimes you can get back four hundred dollars, you know?
1: Mm, <laughs> and interesting. And you're not
3: handicapping, you're just saying the name. So, like if it was a a a, a, a speedy Petey <laughs> and Petey wins, we're both in the same race, mm-hmm. you would do those two horses. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, absolutely. I probably
3: just uh, I just probably lobbed. You're yeah, a little softball to make fun of you, though, PD. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever have
4: a horse and you name it after me, I will be honored. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's,
1: do you know how expensive so those horses grand, are?
3: That's three different races, mm-hmm. two different racetracks, and technically one, two, seven horses, but even though there's six of them. That... Um, there's nothing Jonathan or Derek or Wes or I are going to give you out of sports betting that are going to make you $1,700 for $12. It's not happening. Hmm. They could say it, but they'd be lying to you. If they go 4-0 an and they're all dogs, they might get to 80-1, to one, you know. The horse racing, seventeen. I mean, I hit a $1,400 race the other day. $1,400 to 1, I mean. The odds of the ticket were fourteen hundred to one, and I cashed it. It's just only horse racing, um, and and of course they have big bodies, they have little legs. Sometimes bad things happen.
1: Absolutely. All right. So we got some, you know, picks from Chaz. We got Jonathan. John, what's up,
3: man? Tell him stop talking, but
6: I got no authority here, man. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm barely surviving here. I have four picks, but I have a question. Got one it. of my picks is already going, and it's fine. You it can pick it. it feel a little grimy because it's probably going to cash.
1: All right. You go ahead. Go go for nah, it. I, that,
6: I, didn't, I didn't know.
3: Do like, you want me to pick another game?
1: No no, 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 bad. no, go, no. Don't go yeah, with I, it.
3: I would say unless I can get live action right now on it and, and it's got a chance of making me some money, I would Not want another play. Know. But what game is it?
6: I had Kayla Martin over 8.5 points. He just scored eight in a row.
3: So
6: he's probably going to get to oh, nine. okay. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, so so live action, it could be up – it could be, what, 18 in linebacker. I think he'll still get,
6: he'll get, he'll get some points. I mean, in every game, he was about 12, 13-point over-under. Uh, and then he actually went up to 15-14. He was scoring. Even when he was in the over-unders at 12, he was hitting double digits every game. This game had dropped him to 8.5. He was hurt, or he was sick last game. I thought something was going on because after game one, after that performance by him and in game one, I'm thinking I'm going to hammer Martin game two. They had no line for him until like right before Pitt because I guess he was sick. They don't know how much he was going to play. Doesn't do well. I think he scores one buck the last game, three points. So this total was like kind of like they're almost like baiting you to take it. And I, I took the bait, <laughs> 8.5. So he still needs one, but it's looking pretty nice right now.
3: How cool is it when you got one of your big plays is the, you know, total points for a person? That's all you got to do is watch that guy. If the that it? out for a few minutes, you can go to the kitchen. You don't have to worry about it. You're not missing anything. It's, it's a great way to bet. It really is.
1: I, uh, I also have a, I have a bet uh, tomorrow, Thursday afternoon, early afternoon at 110. Uh, Tampa versus Minnesota. Bailey Ober versus Tyler Glass now. I have Tampa winning on the money line. So uh, that's definitely uh, – I'm going to go with that on Thursday early afternoon. Go ahead, John. What's your next one?
3: you know what time that starts with? 1 o'clock. One ten.
6: Yeah, the 1 o'clock game. Um, I'm going to stick to, look, I said it before. Not, I don't think I said it here, but uh, I was pretty big on the Vegas Knights. I'm, I'm going to stick to that, that theory. I, I'm seeing 60% here coming on Florida. I think it's a very easy play. Like, they lost two. They're at home. They've been well. They've been great. We're going to back up the night, down 3 If you're betting it just because Florida's going home, I think it's a terrible strategy. I think Vegas is going to win this series 4-1. I think they're going to go up three games to none. I said it kind of going into this series. I thought they were the better team. I they were the faster team. Their only deficiency was in goal, which is Aiden Hill, the inexperience that he has. And Barbowski has been playing out of his mind coming into this series. However, Too long. The that Vegas, however, the, however, the pressure that Vegas can put on you is just something that this poor team wasn't ready for. Again, they were the lowest point total team here in the playoffs. They went on a nice little run. They beat the Bruins that were the quote unquote best team ever put together in hockey. They beat the Maple Leafs. You know, they just kind of ran. They swept the Maple Leafs, or the, the one in five, swept the uh, Hurricanes. They were kind of running on this high. I think it's kind of over. And I know when you look at the Golden Knights, a lot of these guys on this team were there in 2018. In 2018, they won game one, and they never won again. I thought I think that's a chip on a lot of these guys. Like we can't do that again. So that's why game two. I was all over Vegas. Like they know that they've already won game one before. Move the chains. Win game two. I think they win game three. I think they win game five at home and 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 and, and get their first Stanley Cup. I and mean, crazy for a team that's
4: been around for seven, six, seven seasons. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Six years, they've been in the Western Conference Finals four times.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think Florida wins game three, but I'm not going to pick that. I'm, Just what I'm going amazing. to do um, tomorrow, I have Florida. I, I don't have Florida. I'm, I'm, I think Florida's going to win tomorrow, but that's not my, my bet. My bet is right now the over, the over and under is six. I have the over tomorrow. Uh, for the Panthers in and the late of Las Vegas Knights. So I think they I think both teams will equal over six points. So that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna go the over six tomorrow. But I do think Florida will win tomorrow. At least get a win and keep make this keep this series somewhat close. I will say this the fact that they waited a week for the Vegas Knights and Dallas that series to end, that affected Florida and the edge that they had. If the series started Faster, I think Florida might be up 2-0. I, I really do. I, the way Bob, Arotsky, Bob Rotsky was playing and this team was playing, missing a week of hockey. And we said this, Speedy, in all sports, if you're waiting a week and even though everybody thinks, hey, you know what, this is getting getting this team healthy, look what's going on with Denver. Everybody thought that this was going to be an absolute backhand by Denver and because they waited a week for Miami to be done with their series and they were going right into the series they're giving Denver a, you know a challenge and I, I I still think Denver wins this series but it's not going to be as easy as we thought it was going to be so uh, I give me the over on tomorrow's hockey game go ahead John
6: Chaz now. are we Chaz or me
1: no 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 no. Chaz already did his best Chaz did it all his horses oh, so here okay,
6: okay. Yeah, I, I... I I think the Heat are going to win this series, Um, just to kind of go off. And I I just think that they're coming into this series undervalued again. They've been undervalued, underdogs the whole playoffs. They don't care, right? They're just going to play basketball to the brand that they can play. I do think they can win this series. I'm going to take them game four. I'm going to take them against a spread game four. Um, Win or lose this, this game, game three, I think that they are going to win game four. I think that, and I've said it. The reason why I think that is I think the winner of game three is winning the series. Um, I think that it, I think they're going to win game three. My so my play is going to be an official play on game four uh, at the spread, which I can assume the books kind of learn a mistake, learn from their mistakes last series against Boston after the heat were kind of surpassing. They made him a favorite in game four. That was the one game that they lost at home. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that they're going to still be underdogs about three and a half, four point, whatever game four line is. I'm going to take the Miami Heat to win game four. Even if they win today, they will go up 3-1. I think the Miami Heat win in six. But I'll take my official play will be game four, whatever spread is, plus three, plus... Three. I, I can text Chaz and see when I see that line and, and kind of hammer I can text Chaz see what line I get. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because it's it's kind of a what if, right? I think we did it last time with hockey. Yeah, right? he said if they win, so it's, we don't know. Derek I'm, is I'm the king of it. that. That
4: was West too. He had the if the Hurricanes survive and win Game Four, then this is my play for yeah. Game Five, and they got swept. I,
6: I, I'm taking them Game Four no matter what. I'm just kind of we're kind of waiting to see what that line gets hung at, right? I I assume this is going to be a close back and forth game. I assume the line's going to be right around three, maybe get bit to three and a half, two and a half. I'll, I'll text Chaz when I. I see a line that,
1: that, that works. Um, tomorrow uh, at 7.20 uh, p.m., the Mets and the Braves, uh, obviously Spencer Strider, one of their good young pitchers, versus Justin Verlander. Right now, uh, the money line has Atlanta winning uh, at a minus 170 to the Mets, plus 145. I'm going with the Mets on the money line tomorrow. I think uh, they knock off... The Strider Atlanta Braves. I saw the smirk on John's face. But, uh, yeah, I got Justin Verlander winning that game. I think his last outing wasn't as good as we expected. But I I, I think Justin Verlander is going to get settled in. And I think he's going to start pitching well. So, I have Verlander and the Mets winning tomorrow on the money line.
6: I don't hate it. I think, for me, it's this pitch clock, I think, is messing with a lot of veteran pitchers. If you look at who's... Look, look at some of the Cy Young vets that are coming in. I mean, still at the top of their game coming into this season, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
6: That, that pitch clock is affecting some guys. And we see Noah Syndergaard is, a, <laughs> is terrible this season. He's already kind of regressed, but this pitch clock probably isn't doing him any favors. Erlander, same thing. Uh, uh, man, it sucks for Jacob DeGrom. Signed that big contract with Texas. Texas was there with Ruposi. He's missing the year. There's, there's a lot of uh, wonky stuff. Uh, going on Uh, I'm going to take a baseball game tomorrow and it's actually and I think we've done this a couple times um I'm gonna take the twins (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and look the Rays are the best team in baseball um and and it's it's not particularly close I mean they are really good and they can win games 11 to 7 or 1 to 0 they just find a way to win games I think they they won today 2 to 1 they just find ways to win games. Uh, twins are hurt. Um, twins are not playing good baseball. They probably have no reason to win this game. And for that, I'm going to take the Twins to win the game. I'm going to basically fade um, what should happen and, and, and basically take a little shot. I, the line is not up right now. I don't think it's going to be as big of a line as I was hoping. I think it's going to be probably right around plus 120. Um but plus 115, plus 120, because Bailey Ober has been pitching so well. I'll take that it's a Thursday day game, and I'm going to take that some some of the Rays might take a day off. Um, they've already won the first two games of the series. They come in winners of five straight. This might be a day game where they take a, day, a couple guys miss miss some at bats. So I like the Twins here. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I was doing two last week, so I guess right now we're. Hopefully, hopefully we're if, if Mar has one more point, we're one zero, and we'll kind of see what we do the rest of the way.
4: But before um, Errol gets his pick, I just want to mention you're <clears 2-0> two <throat> and zero in your head-to-head ones on Errol, where you take the opposite of his game. But last week, when the one he gets, you went against Derek, and you both lost because the the Derek had the under, and the Pirates yeah, we, scored I think nine runs that game, and you had the Giants money line or something like
6: that. Yeah, we both we both we both his play was the under, which I liked, but I was like, I'm gonna take. The Giants, they scored 3-1. They were good. We both got crushed in that game. Uh, Pirates were pretty much up in the beginning, and they cruised the over by themselves.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, my last pick is Houston tomorrow versus Toronto. Two offensive teams, I, I do believe. Now, I, I do believe Houston will win that game. They are right now a 120. But I'm not even going to pick that. I'm going to pick that on the over-under. I have this game going on the over. It's 8.5. I think there'll be more than eight and a half runs scored in the game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Barrios gives up a lot of runs and a lot of home runs. Um, and being that it's in Toronto, uh, it's a hitter's ballpark, I think there's going to be a lot of home runs in that game. So I, I have that game on the over. Uh,
4: one of our fans, Carl, has a has an interesting one for a future bet. Derek is the expert of future bets, so we'll we'll have to save that one for him too. But over under on Ara, Luis Arias hitting three fifty, who coming to the day was hitting four hundred under four hundred one.
1: What for the season? Yeah.
4: For the season, yeah. under yeah. It's a long summer. 100.
3: It's a long 100. summer.
6: Yeah, but I'll say this: even if he doesn't crack four hundred, he's gonna he's gonna he's got over two hundred at bats. It's not an a uh, It's not an anomaly anymore. This is the way he is. He, bat, he was batting three twenty-six last year or something crazy. The A.O. batting champ, right, with three twenty-six average. So, from three sixteen average. So, he's, this is what he does. That play, though, that over-under, I got to say, like, it's not official, but I kind of like the under in that play because Berrios is pitching, and I don't like Berrios. I have probably paid him every time I can. Mm-hmm. He's pitching really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is Frambois Valdez. He gives up a lot runs, of home
1: runs. Time. He gives up a lot of home runs.
6: He does, but he, what I've noticed this year, so he, he's got, like, three straight games allowing two earned runs combined. Well, his
1: last – the last seven games, his ERA is 1.50. So, a lot of people
6: – And he does give up home runs. Yes.
1: But well, the Astros are starting runs, to play –
6: Home runs like singles. Yes. Like they're not bases loaded home runs. He's giving them up, but they're also empty bases. So, he's kind of lucking out in that in that aspect. It's going to be – I, I think it's tough over.
1: I think – the Astros are starting to play well. They're starting to get hot, and uh, their bats are starting to wake up, even though they lost uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday they lost 3-2. to So was it yesterday or today? Yeah,
4: Toronto beat them yesterday. They lost 3, three,
1: three, yesterday. three to 3-2. So I, I think right now, Berrios on the mound tomorrow, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I think – I think there'll be more than eight and a half runs scored in this game. I think I could see ten or eleven game, eleven runs in this game. I think Barrios gives up two, three home runs in this game. That's what I think. So, uh, those are my picks. So, Speedy, you got them all? Yep. We got John's picks.
4: Yep, John. Uh, John, you're was sixteen the and eight overall. Was
3: last one, the under in that game, then?
1: Or? I
4: got him on the over. No, he had the over. So, That's John, me. John, also your God's overall
3: fourth pick. No, I just
1: was
6: talking about that play. My fourth pick was. Uh, you had the Caleb uh, Martin one
4: already. It was
1: uh, twins, the oh, Flints,
4: right? And you had the Caleb Martin one already that you said. Right. Yes. which we will, we will, we will keep, even though uh, we have some opposition from Chaz over there. No, 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 don't,
3: don't matter to me. No, he's <laughs> just writing. <laughs> like what I'm saying, what I wanted <laughs> to know, was that a live opportunity. But again, if if it was eight and a half, and he already had eight, it slid way up yeah he, he's still late
6: though he's it's not even cashed yet we're still we're gonna be sweating it out no, a little bit yeah, yeah I mean, you know, that,
3: that's always you know that it's a hook right it don't yeah. matter what the hook is it don't matter what you're betting it's a half a point it's something you can't get in any sport not a sport out there that yeah. gives you a half a point
6: yeah I have a, I have a question too how long are we tracking this for what how what's the
3: i didn't know like, how long are we
6: it's a year how many games it's a year
1: over the whole year. Yeah, the whole year.
3: Well, I think we should go to football season and then re- reboot.
1: All right, all right, all right. Well, so we could do that. Yeah, we could do that. here's
3: what I wanted so to say, to you guys. And I have, have not. Me. I have nothing involved with this Denver uh, Miami game, but it's
1: halftime. I want to get involved. What do I do? It's Denver 53, Miami 48. I have Denver winning this game. I think Denver. I have Miami
3: winning the. Yeah, but what I'm doing six. at halftime? It doesn't matter who you had. That's
1: irrelevant. Oh well, I picked. What's I well, well, the over under in this game was two. Two thirteen and it's moved down to two. Yeah, it's down to two oh eight. Uh, 208. I think it there's going to be more than two hundred and thirteen. Yes, yeah, so I'm like taking on a, the over. I like
3: over.
6: And, and I look, you know, the spread, the game spread was plus three and a half. So you're probably going to have to, you're probably going to get plus points on Denver yeah. uh in the second half. Maybe about even. I, I'm going to take Miami second half just because I think they're going to keep this game real close, and I think they win
1: no. the game. All right, I got, I, I got Denver, Denver winning this game, and I think it's on the uh, over. I
3: like, I like. Uh, I like, let me see, bas- basketball, uh, oh, it's not even up yet, yeah, so I like the, I think I'm going to go with the over, you know what about the over in the second half when the game's down the line, and it's the NBA Finals, and all of a sudden they go on that roll mm-hmm. where every three is going in, it's so cool, you know, yeah. and then you could win the bet, and there's still two and a half minutes left in the game, so you don't have to worry about being stressful, because you already cashed your ticket.
1: Carl just asked me, who is more dominant? The Canadian wildfire smoke or the smoke in the hot box studio for Chaz? (laughs) You know what? I lived through that in California. Now you guys get a little taste I don't want to know about it.
6: In Nevada, we used to get a lot of wildfires too. So we used to get all of that. We'd have football games canceled or even basketball games because it was so bad it would just seep into the building. Yeah. I've never seen. Like New York Like how bad it is In New York like It's bad the, man
1: it, It's bad it, it Canadians
3: I And mean, they cancelled oh, the game. It, it, was it was raining Florida. One time it was raining soot Black shit was yeah. coming down Bigger than snowflakes Yeah Covered everything
6: And they cancelled the I don't even know They're going to play tomorrow They said they, they say they're playing tomorrow Who? The the Yankees They yeah. cancelled The
4: Phillies day. too They cancelled
6: So they They say but they're, Like right now On the schedule It says Doubleheader tomorrow But yeah. if it's That bad today I don't know how much it's going to clear up because I, being around that, I know it takes, it's not a, oh, 10 hours and we're good. So I don't know if they're going to be play,
3: even play tomorrow.
1: It'll be interesting. Chas, you brought okay, that up the goes. West Coast.
3: The Line, line's up 103 and a half. Over. And, and minus a half.
4: Chaz, I saw a meme you were bringing up like the west coast people uh, complaining about the uh, the east coast people. I saw a meme with that uh that meme from that movie with the guy with the rope around his neck that says first time like oh, yeah, east coast yeah. people complaining about yeah. air air pollution or whatever.
6: Chaz, do you have by chance if anybody can bet it, do you have a fourth quarter line available? Uh, I'll tell you. If you do blind bet it, give me Miami in the fourth in the fourth quarter. Whatever the line is in the fourth quarter, uh, they've won the fourth, the opening six minutes in each fourth quarter by a combined twenty-one points. Mm. No,
3: not yet. A lot yeah. of the live action goes away at halftime. Even
6: if Denver, let's say Denver extends a lead here in the third, I would hammer whatever live you can get on on Miami because that fourth quarter they're gonna they're probably gonna make some adjustments in, and at least make this game close. And so if, if Denver extends here in the third, look for a live line in the fourth for Miami.
3: Yeah, I'm going on there now and seeing if they have the quarter. Sometimes they do. This one has a lot of player stats. Oh, what's your guy's name? Who'd you got? Who do you got? He, he's still got A. Hey, Martin. Martin, Martin. He's now 15 and a half. Mm.
6: See what I mean? I mean, can you just get one?
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. But then, he's you know, going to get one. Half, he's
1: right? going to get so, one. He's definitely going to get, get one. He's definitely yeah, going to so get I
3: will, one. I'll make a note of that fourth quarter because, uh, you know, like I said, when you got the over, you root for everybody.
1: Hundred yep. percent, boys. Thank you.
3: Thank you for having boys, us. cashing, guys.
1: Chaz and John, fantastic. Uh, we did our picks. We're we're good. No Derek. There was no Derek. He Derek didn't show said up. he had a power outage. Okay, it's all right. Uh, we'll have Derek on next week. I'm sure he has his. Uh, yeah, you can get his picks. You can tell him. To, you can take this picks down, and we'll we'll keep tabs on it. There's no question. What does a blind bet mean? <laughs> I don't know. You're gonna to have to ask Chaz on that one. <laughs> Betting the Dallas
4: Cowboys to win a playoff game. Oh,
1: finishing up with football. Uh, I'm. I, I, I want to get the story. Who, who who did I mention? What reporter mentioned this? I'm. I'm trying to get the speedy. Just let me get the report here. Um. Uh, Snug
4: also actually had a pick as well. While, while you look up that, uh, Snug had a pick for the, uh, the final for uh, the UEFA Champions League. Take Man City team total over one and a half goals in the UEFA championship final. Uh, Jeff, uh, Snug had a pick for that. Uh, they did not have a pick for the, uh, the UCL championship final. Paulo and Hector are two soccer guys for that, but they were not on this week.
1: I'm still looking for that story. Carl,
4: you want to know so the, if you want to know what a blind bet is, you could just uh, bet on the Dallas Cowboys winning a playoff game. That would be a very blind bet if you to do that. Or you 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 could bet on or you could bet on something like the Zach Wilson not throwing an interception in a game or something like that. Uh, Jeff says Man City over that over that run for, for that. Jeff, how, how you been? How you been doing with your
1: soccer bets too? is Another question. He's gonna tell you he's been railing it. Okay. <laughs> I I know that's what Jeff's gonna say. So uh, I'm just predicting here.
4: Uh, Snug also says, Chaz is the king of the happy smoke. (laughs) Respect.
1: Well, I I, I will say this. Uh, All right. So there was a report that came out that the Bears were one of the lead teams to get hard knocks. But uh, I forget what reporter from the NFL Network came out today and said that the Bears are out. So now it's down to the Saints and the Jets. And the story is coming out now that the NFL prefers the New York Jets. Uh, with the Aaron Rodgers situation. Now the Jets have already come out and said that they were open to have cameras follow them around at OTAs and preseason. So uh, there is a story coming out. There's no guarantees to it yet, but it's down. It's not the Bears. It's down to the Saints and the Jets on getting hard knocks this year. So. Uh, for anybody sitting here and any Jet fan that's looking for the last time the Jets won Hard Knocks, I think it was 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. uh, with Sexy, Rex Rexy. Rexy, yes. So uh, there are stories coming out by numerous sources that the Jets could win Hard Knocks and and get the Hard Knocks bid. So uh, I mean, if you're a Jet fan, that's fun to watch. I mean, I'm watching right now. Uh, Flight 23, and it's it's like a hard knocks for the New York Jets. It airs on SNY. It's great. It's fantastic. And they follow certain players, and he put the shows – uh, you know they they dialogue the shows the each show on a particular player or two particular players that they follow around and it it's, it's fantastic uh the first episode was with Aaron Rodgers and and uh the fact that uh you know the jets finally make the trade and then they had the the first round of the draft and, and throughout the draft and now the second was well actually the second episode was about the draft so the first episode was about Aaron Rodgers. The second one is about the draft. And now this one, uh, I'm looking forward on seeing what they're going to do and who they're going to follow uh, this, uh, the next uh, the episode three. So I'm, I'm excited. Numerous sources must be Josh. <laughs> no, actually, no, I forget. It was Ian Rappaport. I, I, was it Brian Rappaport or Ian Rappaport? I think it's Ian Rappaport that uh, wrote the story and said that the Bears are out, uh, that the, the, it's now down to the Saints and the Jets. So Jeff also says uh, BTTS minus
4: one ten. I'm guessing for that soccer game mm. and. uh, uh, Carl also says, "Did he have Messi in the MLS?" So we'll ask him this week for our FM show. If Paulo, if Paulo maybe thought
1: that Messi well, was going there, we'll see. I don't know. Well, that's a, that's an interesting story, and uh, that was something that me and Jeff were talking about. Uh, you know, I, I actually told Jeff that it it went through. Uh, Jeff heard it this morning that it quite odd possibly could happen, and now it's it's official. That's where Messi is going. The question is how much is Miami paying him? I mean, this is a guy that's going for over years, making 300, 350 pounds playing and and signing contracts. Now you're coming to the MLS and we've seen this. We, he was, uh, we were talking about that too. Beckham being one of them who came to the MLS at the end of his career. uh, Didn't have such a great MLS career, but Lionel Messi is still one of the best players in the world. And I still think he could really take MLS to that next level. You go into Miami, it's in a beautiful city. He has a chance to, you know, be in a hotter, hot climate and enjoy uh, Miami in the United States. So uh, it is a stunning move. And uh, here's the story. Lionel Messi will make a stunning move to major league soccer side, inter Miami CF after his departure of Paris Saint Germain, the Argentinian superstar announced on Wednesday. So, Uh, he is now heading to America and probably going to finish up in, in Miami. That's what it seems like. And uh, if he puts on a show, he doesn't put on a show. This guy has one of the, he's one of the greatest soccer players of all time. When you, when you compare and the comparison will be compared to him and Ronaldo because of the time and the dominance of both players. uh, And they're really going to be connected for the rest of their careers. Uh, When we, when we talk about Pele, Pele was the guy, you know what I mean? So, I think that when you look at this era in this decade when we talk about quarterbacks like uh Peyton Manning and uh Tom Brady and we compare their careers and they'll always be compared with one another because of how close together they were when it, when it came to drafting and and both dominant uh in respectable organizations or organizations I I think that the same thing with Lionel uh Messi and and and, and Ronaldo Uh, a guy like Ronaldo who both guys are been the faces of soccer and whatever European football for, for the last 15 years. So I think this is a great story. I think it's good for major league soccer. It, it will definitely help grow the sport here in America. Uh, We'll have to see what Lionel uh, Messi does in MLE, uh, MLS soccer. I think he scored 46-47 40, goals this year. Crazy. Yeah, you know, which is ridiculous. I, I mean, if he scores 60-70 goals in MLS, I mean, that's just even a, that's insanity. A, an insanity number. But I, I think he can. I, I think he's that much better than everybody else on the MLS, you know, in the MLS division. So well, There's a
4: lot of older players anyway, so, yeah, so. he's not going to miss a beat.
1: No, I think it'll be fun to watch. Messi contract is a joke. What, What is a joke, Uh I don't uh, – does anybody know the contract? Well, There's Jeff a... is on the phone, so maybe he'll tell us. All right, Jeff, what's up, man? Yeah, this whole thing is terrible
2: for MLS, and it's a joke.
1: Okay, what is it's it? It's an
2: absolute joke, and it's not going to help grow MLS. Okay. This is going to be this is going to be the third rerun of this story we saw because you saw David Beckham come over. Did that help grow it? No, it didn't. We saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic come over. Did that help grow it? No, it didn't. We don't care about soccer. Most people don't care about soccer. I do. I happen to like soccer. But let's find out why this is such a bad contract and such a bad deal, okay?
1: Mm -hmm. What's the deal? What's the contract?
2: Would you be happy now? I'm just going to put it in terms that you can understand. Would you be happy now if Tom Brady was coming back to play for the Patriots?
1: Would I be happy? No.
2: But – and and even better now. But the Patriots aren't going to pay him. CBS is going to pay him
3: Mm -hmm.
2: because that's what's happening because – Apple TV has the rights to MLS and they want him there. So Apple is paying him to go to inner Miami, right? So if you're a fan of the Chicago fire or the new England revolution or uh, New York FC or the, the red bulls or whatever,
3: hmm.
2: the league is literally tipping the scales in favor of inner Miami. Right. So it's a terrible deal.
1: But what's the deal? Do you have the money? Do you have the money deal? What is the deal?
2: It it. The money is irrelevant. Okay. An well, outside entity is paying for him
1: to go. I got you to. with that, but I, I want to know the deal. Is he making $50 million a year? Is that what he's making? I mean,
2: pro- I mean probably because the Saudis offered him a billion dollars for three years.
1: Right. So he's making a significant amount of money. Wow. A billion pounds, you mean? <laughs> Just... <laughs> well, whatever.
2: well, first of all, it's not pounds because they don't pay pounds in Saudi Arabia.
1: What do they pay? What do they pay? Uh, what is it? What's the uh, name of that?
2: I don't know what their currency is
1: called. Is their currency high?
2: No, I have no idea what the what the Speedy,
1: look a, gold look gold a, gold look at American money. What a billion Saudi Arabia dollars equals to America. All right. Money. By the way, the, the, the official money is not out yet,
4: but it's projected to be somewhere between one hundred twenty-five and one hundred fifty million dollars for two years for NASA. Wow. <laughs>
2: right. So seventy-five million a year. Wow. And which Apple pays it, right? And by the way, MLS is a Ponzi scheme, anyways. Mm-hmm. It's a complete Ponzi scheme that's probably going to end up collapsing. Because to buy a franchise to get in, the expansion fee alone I think is $250 million or something. Yeah. And then they use that money to help prop up the league because it's not a money-making league. So how many times more can they expand before they go to a place that no one cares about and then no one's making any money and there's 300 franchises?
4: Um, so the currency is one U.S. dollar is 3.75 Saudi real. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Carl also says Saudi's giving $300 million just to talk with him. Um, Our money's more, that means. The league went from 13 teams to 30 after David Beckham. Uh, Too bad nobody watches MLS anymore since it's only on Apple TV. And he won't play enough to score that much.
2: But it went from 13 teams to 30 because they kept offering people contracts or or expansion opportunity at these exorbitant fees. And those fees are what's keeping the league afloat. Mm
1: -hmm. It's,
2: It's, It's not expanding because somehow it got wildly popular. Like, and David Beckham wasn't even all that good. He was only popular because he was married to a Spice Girl. <laughs>
1: That's
2: right. <laughs> right? And so the expansion of the league wasn't because of David Beckham. The expansion of the league is, uh, this shit's going under. How do we keep it afloat? I know. I'll get some retarded foreign billionaire to give me $250 million for a big, stinking loser. And then when he comes in and he's like, wow, this really does suck. They're like, who else can we con into giving us $250 million? Mm. And some other idiot.
1: There are two other stories that I want to get into before we get into Bracket Wars. Uh, the Suns hired Frank Vogel as the next head coach after firing Monty Williams a couple of weeks ago. Vogel won a championship with the Lakers in the bubble season in 2020. In 10 seasons as a head coach with the Pacers, Magic, and Lakers, Vogel has a 431 record and 38-9 loss in the regular season record and 49-39 in the postseason. Um, the Suns have three players to make $30 million this season with uh, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. The Suns are $18 million over the cap and only have seven total players on their team right now. The Suns have lost in the second round of the players each of the last two years after making the NBA Finals in 2021. I don't like this hire. OK, I would have never fired Monty Williams that I I don't understand it. Uh, this is a guy that won coach of the year the year before and probably should have won the coach of the year. Him and Tom Thibodeau were back and forth. You're talking about the best coach in the NBA for the last two seasons. I understand his roster uh, is loaded with the talent that he has, but let's let's go and look at this roster over the last couple of weeks of the season and going into the playoffs, they didn't have Chris Paul for a significant amount of time, so they didn't have a natural point guard. Uh, who was bringing the ball up? You were bringing. You had Devin Booker bringing up the ball in 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 the Western Conference. You also had Kevin Durant bringing up the ball. Two guys that are not that type of player bringing up the ball. They can they can do that, but that's not their strength. So Frank Vogel, who I think is a decent head coach. I I remember him with the Pacers. He was a pretty good coach with the Pacers. And then going to LeBron James, I mean, honestly, anybody could have coached that LeBron James Lakers team. Uh, uh, To me, personally, I think Frank Frank Vogel is – everybody, when you look at – Bringing in a new coach, you want to you want to get a better coach. I think he's a worse coach than Monty Williams. So I don't like this move. I, I think this is going to set the team back. And 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 I don't even I, again they're talented enough to make the playoffs. But are they talented enough with the roster they have set up? They only have seven players right now on the roster that's under contract with all the money they have invested in four or five of these guys, or three or four of these guys. So it doesn't make sense. I, I don't like this move, and I think this, I, I think this is the end for the Suns. That's what I think. I think the Phoenix Suns are
4: done. You. You wonder too. Also, if DeAndre Ayton is going to have to be traded too, because yeah. they they have three, $30 dollars. They probably will trade him. They're going to either have to trade him or get to, get somebody to take the money on, because it's going to be very hard to make that work as it is. Because those three guys are all making thirty million. Kevin Durant's making, I think, thirty nine, and like it's crazy. They have to load up the rest of the roster. I mean, people were worried about the Suns' depth as it was after the Durant trade itself, and now dude, they've lost pretty much everybody. Like they, have, I think Landry Shamet's left and Cameron Payne, and that's pretty much it. They're I think they're done. I,
1: I think this roster is done. I, I know. The talent won't say that, but you're going to hear in the next two years that Devin Booker wants out. He he's not going to want to stay there. Uh, he took the contract because obviously the bird rights and the money that he got up front. I, I don't believe Devin Booker is going to want to stay there. DeAndre Ayton is not the player they thought he was going to be as the number one pick the, a couple of years ago, where everybody thought this guy was going to be star in the league coming back from coming from Arizona. And then you you kind of look at this team like obviously. Uh, a guy like Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant really going to want to stay there when he looks at this roster right now and says, "Okay, this this roster, they have two fairly young guys that are I, I, one that's a superstar, the other one is eh, he's okay." And and Chris Paul's on his way out, and and like like Jeff just said, he he was put on waivers, yeah. so what and he, that he'll, he'll
4: be added quickly too because there's a lot of teams that could use him. So
1: what does that tell you about Chris Paul? Chris Paul could be gone tomorrow, you know. So I I think this is the end of the Phoenix Suns. I I really do. Frank Vogel was a horrible hire. They should have brought I in Boone. a good hire. Oh, I, I know you do. But uh, Boone, I think I, I would have made a move for Boone and Holzer. I think that would have made more sense. You bring in a coach that understands the game of defense, than a guy that really, everybody says Frank Vogel's you know, when he went to the Lakers, he, they, they said that he helped the offense grow when he was a defensive-minded coach. When he went to Indianapolis, he was a defensive-minded coach that needed to work on his offensive, you know, background. So I, I don't know what Frank Vogel is. I don't. Th- I don't like the hire. Jeff likes the hire. I don't like the hire. I think this team is done. So that's my opinion. Uh, from that, I think this team is in a shambles, and I think half of these players are going to be out within the next couple of years.
4: Uh, no, John, we are not talking about the Jets. We are talking about Frank Vogel and the Phoenix Suns.
1: Uh, Jacob DeGrom. Yeah but, yeah,
2: but most of those guys might not be out, though, because if they're saving themselves $30 million a year, getting no, rid of Chris Paul, like, they'll have the money to other stuff.
1: I, I understand that, but I, I think when you look at the value of this team and where this team went in the playoffs, they're not... They're not amongst the league, you know, the Western Conference, you know, contenders. They're really not. And they lose Chris Paul, and you saw not bringing up the ball and and really, you know, manipulating the game in in, in the Western Conference, especially in a series that they had no chance with Denver. Denver absolutely outplayed them because they didn't have anybody that can guard Murray. And, and I, they still don't have a guy that could guard Murray. So I, I don't know how they're going to compete next year in a full season. Kevin Durant hasn't stayed healthy. We all know that. Devin Booker, he's played well, and we all know how talented he is. But we've heard his backlash of this team and this organization. And before he, he signed that extension of the contract, he – But, but were they, a lot. But
2: get rid of Chris Paul, they'll have the money
1: to go. All, right, all right, they get rid of Chris Paul. Oh, uh, who's available as a point guard in the offseason? Spencer Dinwiddie? Is yeah. he, I don't even think he's. Yeah, but, I don't even think he, yeah, he's available. But that's
2: that's not even how. That's not the only way you can acquire people. They can make trades. They
1: can okay. Do Who like, do they have, they have they to trade? They have seven guys on their roster. Who are they going to trade? Have, the Andre. They Aby? don't have
2: money to go get some people. Dude, there's plenty of ways that they.
1: Can I understand what you're saying, Jeff. But they put them in. They put themselves in cap hell. Right. And to bring in players, there's not many. We've talked about the free agency market this year. It's not. It's not loaded. <clears throat> It really is. Point guards are old. But,
4: like,
2: but every team that is a contender is in cap hell. That's I, I,
1: why the I got
4: it. Can't get pieces, I got it. Right,
2: because they, they it, thats what everyone is doing. Right. That's why the—it's hard for the Celtics to acquire anyone because they gave max contracts to people. It's hard for—it's hard for the Suns, the 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 Lakers, the, the Clippers. When you give out max contracts, it's hard to acquire other people. That's just what it is. But it also means you're probably a contender. Because the, the, there isn't a team that Kevin Durant is going to be on that's not going to be a contender. You even thought a Kevin Durant eight seed team was a contender when they played the Celtics. A yeah I did years ago. yeah, yeah, I
1: did right,
2: right? I, and, right. and what was the main reason for your thinking Because Kevin Durant was on the team, and Kevin Durant's a
1: winner. He, he's a winner, but I, again when when I when I looked at Kevin Durant that year, he was a little bit he younger, back, back, back. he he was a little bit younger, and I thought that they could compete with a Boston Celtic team that was still you know a little wet beyond the years. All right. So, that,
2: you know, when you have a first team NBA guy playing a second team, oh, NBA my guy. God. You're still with like.
1: this. You really are. You're still with this, this second team, first team. I don't care. Okay. The, the fact is, the fact is, is I, I think Phoenix is not going to be the same team. I don't like the hire with Frank Vogel. And I question where they're going to go in the offseason, even if Chris Paul goes elsewhere. I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. And I expect that they will probably trade DeAndre Ayton. I absolutely believe that that's what they're going to do. But what are they going to get back for DeAndre Ayton? That is the question. He's expensive, one. Two, is he worth a point guard? or in a, And I wouldn't even say elite point guard, a top 10 point guard in this league that can help them get over the hump. I don't know if there is anybody well, maybe, that's going to be available. Like,
2: but, but maybe it's like Moneyball. Maybe you don't need to, to replace some talent for talent. Maybe you replace him in the aggregate,
1: hmm.
2: right? Maybe it, Maybe he's worth you know, two or three or four middling players that can p- just play some defense and you know yeah. like, things like that, mm-hmm. right? Like, so maybe that's what can happen. So, because here is the other thing: if you trade them, the money needs to
1: match. A hundred percent, Jeff. We know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that's going to be a factor as well.
1: I think they're I think the factors don't benefit them; it actually hurts them. So I, I, I don't. I I think there's going to be a lot that we're going to look at. Frank Vogel's going to ruin this team. He gets fired in two years. Mark my words. He's not going to last two years.
2: He's going to be great.
4: Anything that you like or don't like, I'm going to like. John says, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Fred Van Vliet, CP3, D. Russell, Westbrook, Gabe Vincent, Trey Jones, Van Vliet is the most prized point guard this offseason.
1: Oh, and Pat Beverly, too. Van Vliet. Okay, we're talking about Van Vliet. Wonderful. He's a good player, but uh, good, good. He is going to be requesting at least thirty-five million, because Jalen Brunson, the, the numbers that he put up last year, and how uh, how fun he was watching, and he's honestly a better player than Van Leet. So. And Van Leap, being that he is a free agent and there's not many point guards that are available, he is going to get an extensive amount of money because of it. So John, Derrick Rose and John Wall barely played last year. They're not
4: going to anything. Uh,
1: <laughs> Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is he a… absolutely,
2: but be bench players and Yeah, absolutely. But he's I, a I, smart guy because he's thinking replace him in the aggregate. Right, That's well. what it's about. Derrick
1: Rose is not going over there to Phoenix, I can tell you that. Uh, Jacob deGrom has a partial torn UCL and will have surgery on it, which will end his season. Rangers general manager, Chris Young said he is not sure whether it will be Tommy John surgery or a different type yet, but it is going to be done either way. Young project projects that deGrom to be able to return sometime in the middle of 2024 season. DeGrom is, Uh, is in his first year, five-year, $185 million contract that he signed in the offseason. DeGrom had 45 strikeouts and a 2.67 ERA and six starts with the Rangers this season. DeGrom had Tommy John surgery during his time in the minor leagues in 2012. DeGrom only had two total stints on the injured list uh, from 2014 and 2020 with the Mets, making 30 or more starts in five seasons. DeGrom got hurt in July 2021 and missed over a full season before returning to the Mets in August of last year. He made only 15 starts in 2021, 11 starts in 2022, and six starts before getting hurt on April 28th against the Yankees. So I feel bad for the guy. I, I really do. Uh, signing the contract that he signed, I believe he'll be back. I know Josh said, "Oh, we 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 got lucky not bringing him back." I don't know how lucky you are. You still have Max Scherzer who can't stay healthy, and Justin Verlander that's old enough to be my father. Okay, as a baseball player, so I, I like Justin Verlander. I have Justin Verlander winning on the mound tomorrow. I, I just I question. All right, I question the 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 position the Texas the Texas Rangers put them giving him the contract that they did now as as an organization you have to take chances and even though he is going to miss uh, the full season this year and he'll be back sometime next year he still pitched very well a 2.6 ERA and his whip was i think under under 1 uh, okay so and he was strike. He was forty five strikeouts is a lot in six games. So he's still pitching with strikeouts with a clip. I think he's averaging a strikeout and a half every single inning.
4: Yeah, it's a little under eight per game. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I, I think I still think Degrom is going to have more than enough time. And everybody says, well, this is his second Tommy Johns, and it's very rare that another t- another player comes back from two Tommy John surgeries. The one thing I could say about. Uh, a guy like Jacob Degrom is—he could throw off-speed pitches. He's a good change-up thrower. He could throw a slider, and it doesn't have to be 90 miles per hour to be efficient and on on point. I think he still. But those th-
2: pitches only work because he does throw hard.
1: But yeah, he only threw 100 is- at the start of the Not necessarily. 21. Jeff, there's a lot of pitchers in the past that threw, what, 91, 92 mile per hour fastballs and change up. They would throw it 78, 80, and, and they would strike out more players than they would with their fastball. Is exactly. so, yeah, yeah, that yeah.
2: that's, also, that's also really rare. And I'm not sure Jagram is that guy. Uncle Stevie has done it again. He managed to avoid the pitfall. Really? This is a five, what is this, a five or six year deal? So what? He overpaid in the interim for two or three Uncle years. Uncle Stevie's done such like, such a great he, job. He isn't on the hook long term. Well, you know, part of it is these players need to perform too. He's been out there doing the right thing. Mm. It's not his fault, Francisco. The door sucks Donald dicks, right? Like, he did the right thing and get him. Remember when they got him and everyone was like, oh. I didn't like it.
1: I didn't like it. I told you well, guys. Well, that's
2: why it's like going it. to work out. Really, he's it's so going like to work out?
1: Yeah, it works yeah, out. So it, work it's out. It's working out right now. Three years spending over $1.5 and they haven't won nothing. I, did, have they won a baseball series in the playoffs? Nope. They haven't. So what is Uncle it'll Stevie come, doing right? It'll, yeah, it'll, it'll come. come. What, five, six years down the road when he spent, what, $2 billion? Hey, gotta, it's, it's ridiculous. It will come well, when they it finally is ridiculous. get pitching,
4: not old pitching. It's like
1: ridiculous, Jeff, and for you to stick up for him and say, yeah. Oh, he's done it again. He's done. Yeah, he's done it again. Did it. Losing. What
4: is this? He avoided it. You gotta build a culture first. And mm-hmm. Uncle Steve's a winner. Oh yeah,
1: he's a winner, all right. Jeff, Real also winner. both could be true. What's he won?
4: They also made the right decision in letting him go for that money. Fine, but they could have done a different approach than sign a bunch of older guys and Senga in the off-season. Senga's their youngest pitcher in their rotation. and He's 29. Yeah.
2: Right, yeah, there there there's been some misses, but trust me, Uncle Steve will do the right thing because he'll even get yeah. rid of the curse. That's no, why that's why he overpaid to...
1: he overpaid two old players, two pitchers, and still haven't hasn't paid their best player in Pete Alonso. Great move. Fantastic. It'll, it'll get done. It'll
2: yeah.
1: it'll, it'll get, get done. done. Pete Alonso's okay. the best power. No, he's he'll not. No, he's mind. not. And it's not even close, dude. Stop it. He's um, not even I mean, close. I'm, it's not Pete Pete even close. Alonso, p- Pete Alonso's amazing, had Pedro Alonso has had at more at bats than Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge has a better, better has a better batting average. He's had he's what nine RBIs less than him and 19 home runs to his 22. Aaron Judge will have better numbers than Pete Alonso by the end of the season. There's no yeah, maybe, question. Maybe Aaron so Judge. Is, no, question. So. no question. No question. Maybe it's not even close. So. It's not Maybe even close. So, but leads
2: the league
1: in Hong Kong, oh my god!
2: And it's even more impressive to do it without Goldilocks. Balls. Yeah,
1: Goldilocks, balls. Jeff, good luck.
4: Uh, he also lead. Uh, Aaron Judge is also second in overall exit velocity and first in overall distance on the <laughs> it's home It's Ridiculous! Line. It's not exit even close. Exit velocity. Who
1: cares? Uh, who cares? Everybody. About uh, if you think Pete Alonso is even in the same realm as Aaron Judge, just shows you how stupid you are. Okay.
2: Right. Uh, Orioles oh, is batting over 400. Okay. Is he leading
3: the league? Is it impressive because he leads the league? And he's lost No, The dude's just a good hitter. Listen, I and, and I don't like the contract. It more. And I
1: did not like the contract, for Aaron Judge. I'll say it again. I did not like the contract. I think the Yankees were very stupid. But to say right now. Pete Alonso to Aaron judge, and you're comparing them it 's not even a comparison it's a joke if you think it's anywhere close. You have a guy that's six, you have a guy that's six foot eight is a five tool player he's one of the best outfielders in the league. he can steal bases because he has three, nothing to
2: do with that. Him. He's got
1: nothing to do with it. He has 19 home runs at 175 at bats. Bat. To Pete Alonso's, uh, yeah, Pete Alonso has 229, almost 60 more at bats, and has 22 home well, runs. Look at the well, average. It's not even skill. close, buddy. It's okay. health, not health even close. It's health is health a skill. Health is a skill. Right? Is right right
2: guys, you guys out hurt again.
1: Mm, okay. Which could help for an
4: award I, 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 race, I, 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 not a not a better player. <laughs>
2: But can, I, but can I point something out that I find that, that's mm-hmm. funny? And you're like, oh, that's at bats. Yeah, he's been hurt. And, but it's funny. Being hurt only counts against you if you're not a Yankee because you're just bitching about Verlander being hurt and, and Scherzer being hurt. And they're always hurt and hurt, 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 and hurt. And then when I go, oh, Aaron Judge is hurt, you're like, big deal. That doesn't matter.
4: It might what for awards things, trying? but again, it doesn't make you a necessarily are you a better about, player. talking about, Jeff? We're not downgrading Mike Trout because he gets
1: hurt a lot the last couple
4: of years.
2: Right? I mean, hey, listen, the best ability is availability, and Pete was yeah. out there doing it and
1: uh, leading uh, Yeah, Aaron Judge is still going to play over 140 games, 145 okay. games. Yeah, we'll see. He's on it. He's on the way. He's got. He's played 49 games. He's on his way. He is on no, his right, way, way of playing 140 say, games.
2: He doesn't get hurt again. The dude's
1: made out of paper. Uh, machine. Yeah. Okay. Paper machine. Okay, Jeff. Thanks, man. We love you. We love you, Jeff.
4: Alonzo, got to love
1: him. Yeah, we love you. He's out of his mind. I I can't sit here and argue with him.
4: I wish Pete Alonso got on base more like Aaron Judge. He's not anywhere
1: close to the same player as Aaron Judge. He's not. There is no comparison with these two guys. There is none. Pete Alonzo has good power. Yes, he's a great power hitter. But by the end of the season, if, if... Right now, Aaron Judge is averaging, what, every... Five at bats, he has a home run. Pete Alonso is every seven or eight. Right. Okay. It, it's not even close. It, it's not. Pete Alonso has f- nine RBIs more than Aaron Judge. By the end of the season, Aaron Judge will, if Aaron Judge plays even, t- I would say, 10 less games than him, he's going to have more RBIs and more home runs. Right. He is. Right. And he averages a better average. By the end of the season, he's going to hit over 300. How many players at his size and his power hits over 300? And still hits 50 home runs and still has over 100 RBIs. Uh, let's be honest. How many players have done it? Right. Okay? It's not easy. All right? So stop it. And stop comparing Pete Alonso to Aaron Judge. The best power hitter in New York, it's not even an argument. And by, by the way, the second best power hitter in, uh, in New York is probably Giancarlo Stanton. Okay? if it, uh, When healthy, Giancarlo is a better power hitter than Pete Alonso. Let's be honest. You're talking about a former MVP candidate, and even last year, missing as many games. What do you have? Thirty-five home runs, mm-hmm. thirty-four home and he's runs. Another one that's very good with the exit velocity. Come on, man! Come, it's, it's ridiculous. Your best power hitter in New York. It's it's a joke. He's not. He's not. And here's another thing. I, I, I he's better than Anthony Rizzo. Yes. Pete Alonso is better than Anthony Rizzo. But if you look at Anthony Rizzo's numbers right now, and you could pick him up right now, Anthony Rizzo's numbers, and I. I Right here with the Yankees. This year is his best season and has a lot to do. He's hit eleven home runs in two hundred and eighteen at bats. He has thirty two RBIs and he's batting two ninety. Okay? That's way better than Pete Alonso. And Pete Alonso has what eleven more home runs? Right. And only has what seventeen more RBIs than him? Mm-hmm.
4: And it's not getting on base enough for a
1: player with that much. So power. stop it. Stop it. You could argue that Anthony Rizzo and Pete Alonso are almost identical with their maybe not fully with the power numbers but the, what they have done strategically as an offensive defensive player i would take anthony rizzo over pete alonso because he is a better defensive player at his position anthony oh, yeah, rizzo definitely.
4: That's so
1: I, I i'm sorry i'm not going to sit here and argue oh, oh Petey stays healthy good good for him good good for him and i like pete alonso like him a lot i stick up for him all the time But to say he's the best power hitter in New York, he's not the best power hitter in New York, and he's not the best power hitter in baseball. And the best power hitter in baseball is on a New York team, and it's the same New York team that you hate, and that's Aaron Judge. And you can argue with the Goldilocks balls. I don't want to hear it. It's They're not being
4: used this year, so I don't it's know really, what He's, this he's year.
1: just trying to find an excuse, just like the spider tap with the, why Garrett Cole's pitching well this year, which he was never caught with it. it it's right. ridiculous. It, it, honestly, it's, it's pathetic that everything that comes out of a hater of the New York— And I'm not saying the Yankees are winning the World Series because I didn't say that. Uh, they can't say healthy, and I don't think they're winning anything. They they still haven't their prize their, their prize uh, signing this offseason. And Rodon hasn't even pitched yet this year, so that scares me as it is. So to sit here right now and, and say that the Yankees are winning, I don't think that. But uh, that doesn't mean that they can. And right. and Garrett Cole right now is a Cy Young candidate. And we're co- way more than a quarter into the season. Yep, yeah, it's him, Shane McClanahan, and former Yankee Sonny Gray. <laughs> yeah. So, so stop with this and, and give the kids some credit. All right, Speedy, the last segment of the night. The what? A second round of bracket we're wars. We're still in the first round. Oh, first round, still in the bracket wars.
0: It's time for bracket. 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 It's time wars. for bracket, bracket wars. wars. All right, where are we going,
1: Speedy? All right, so we'll start
4: with the 16-1 matchup. The 16 seed, Simone Biles, number one, Muhammad <clears throat> Ali. All
1: right, Simone Biles, we all know her. Uh, one of the better gymnasts uh, in, I would say, in United States history. Biles has four gold medals, one silver medal, and two bronze medals. Tied for the most in American gymnast history and second most ever, including World Championships Biles has 25 gold medals, four silver medals, and five bronze medals, most for a gymnast ever. She is one of two gymnasts ever to win a medal in every event at both Olympics and World Championships. Biles has won an Olympic medal, uh, has won Olympic medals in four different gymnastics routines and World Championship gold medals, five different gymnastics Routines. So there you go. I, I think, honestly, Simone Biles doesn't have to do any more, you know, Olympics, and she probably isn't. And she's married to a football player now. Yes. Uh, congratulations to her. And I think she's moving on with her life. But Simone Biles, for all the trials and tribulations and that sex thing happened in Michigan State with, uh, I forget, Larry Nassar. Yeah, Larry Nassar. She was one of the, the gymnasts that were, were touched in, in a very disgusting way. Right. Um, and, and I heard that Larry Nassar was interactive with Epstein and that, Epstein, oh, that surprise me. <laughs> Epstein actually wrote him a letter before he was gone. So I don't know. It's disgusting. But Simone Biles, probably the best gymnast American history and probably of all time. In, in, in the sport of gym, gymnastics. Right,
4: definitely the best American gymnast, which is tied for the most gold medals and most championships by, like, 10 different gold medals. I think there's a Russian gymnast in the 60s or something that has nine gold medals, so she had the most of all time. But if, everyone will tell you that the, the, the stuff that Biles does now is like would be amateur. Like, the stuff that if, if they did... With, was best in the 50s would be amateur now. Like, the, uh, the techniques that she does is just incredible. And, again, she has such longevity. Maybe she does one more at the Olympics, but definitely a couple more world championships.
1: Muhammad Ali, arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time. I would argue that, by the way, but uh, a lot of people believe that he was. Uh, Ali finished with a 56-5 overall record with 37 of them with KO wins. Ali started his professional career 31-0 until he got defeated by Joe Frazier in 1971. He spent 11 years undefeated from 1960 to 1971. Ali also won a gold medal in 1960 and six gold medals in the gold glove and world championship events from 1959 and 1960. Ali was part of Some of the greatest fights in boxing history, including against Joe Frazier and against Sonny Liston. And, of course, uh, George Foreman, uh, the Battle of the Jungle. I will say this. He wasn't undefeated. And you can argue Rocky Marciano was one of the the greatest heavyweight of all time. There were a lot of great heavyweights. Joe Lewis, who got eliminated because Speedy had a mismatch. You can argue that Joe Lewis was just as good or even better uh, than Muhammad Ali. But Muhammad, Muhammad Ali stood for something, and he actually was suspended for boxing for, I think, five years because right. he would not fight in World War II, I think it was. And he
4: also, I think, later on in the Vietnam War as well. Yes. No, it
1: was, I'm sorry. It was the Vietnam War. It wasn't World War II. He wasn't alive then, but it was Vietnam. But he would not fight in the Vietnam War, and um Yeah. Muhammad Ali's career got cut short because of that. He probably would have had 70 wins and probably maybe three losses. He probably wouldn't have lost the last two or three fights of his career if he continued on doing what he was doing in his the way he fought and the way he fought his style. So uh, Muhammad Ali uh, probably... Th- the, one of the greatest or one of the top three greatest heavyweights of all time.
4: Yeah, and like you said, an influential athlete. He fought in all different spots in the world, too. I think he fought even in Arabia, too, and uh, all the, the political controversy going on, too. And he fought, like a, like you said, a lot of good fighters and knocked them out. 23 of those wins were knockouts in that span, So mm. It was very
1: impressive. Yeah, he's, he was, you know, beast from the east, you want to say. Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He, he was... He was a great showman. He really was. Probably the best, you can argue. Yeah. So um, I'm going with Muhammad Ali. Yeah, as good as Biles was. And she was a fantastic gymnast. She's not anywhere close to the, the talent Muhammad Ali. And that's why you had a 16, Six and one, yeah. a 16 and 1. But she was That's a great, how great these athletes are. And now we have the number 14 seed, Anderson Silver, versus the number three seed, Jack Nicholas. Uh Anderson Silva Silva was 34 and 11 overall as an MMA fighter 23 of those wins by KO. Silver also had five professional boxing matches, two, and is three and two in those fights. He did that at the end of his career. Who cares? Silver holds the longest title reign in UFC history for 2,457 consecutive days. Silver won 16 consecutive UFC fights from 2006 to 2013 and against good fighters. Silver held both the UFC Middleweight Championship belt and... The Cage Rage Middleweight Championship belt throughout his career. He also dominated in Pride, and I think he was I, I think he was undefeated in Pride. Probably the hardest fight organization worldwide for many many years before they got closed down. That's where all the great fighters. That's where Nick Diaz was spotted. That's where all, a lot of the greats that moved on to the UFC and Bellator. Uh, Theodore Balfour, you know, started in Pride, too. There were so many great fighters that came from Pride, and Anderson Silva could have been the best. So, uh, yeah, Anderson Silva, fantastic fighter. Yeah, and you talked about it last week with Warren Brinson, too. Like, he did, like, four different
4: fighting styles, too, yes. himself, too. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu kind of revolutionized that yes, at did. the time. And just so many different things. And you and Warren were, t- were discussing it, like, the styles that he could do. He could win in so many different ways.
1: There's only, I think there were only two fighters better than him in, in his time. John Jones and George St. Pierre.
4: Or in the bracket, too. So,
1: so I, I think those two guys were probably the other two guys that were dominating. And I'm talking about just complete dominant. Okay. So, and, and they could say they were boring and are they boring. George St. Pierre was a boring fighter, but he dominated in every aspect of the game. And honestly, if he fought any of the fighters in his weight class now it, that are dominating in the division of the welterweight or middleweight division, he'd probably win if he was healthy. Right now, that's how good George St. Pierre was. And same thing with John Jones. Uh, The number three seed, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas has won 18 major championships, which is the most all time. Nicholas has won 73 PGA Tour events, third most all time, and has been the world's number one player for 468 weeks, second most all time, right under Tiger Woods. Nicholas also had 53 tall wins in golf tour leagues. Nicholas is the first golfer to win three Grand Slam titles in his career and winning all four majors in the same year. Nicholas set 19 different scoring records, major championships from 1916 and 1978, and is tied for two others. I think Jack Nicholas is the best and the greatest golfer to ever play. Maybe uh, in the time that he played... And he played against great golfers. There were a lot of great golfers. Freddie Couples, uh, Trevino. They were great golfers. Yes, there were a lot of great golfers. You name it. And I know Jeff knows a lot about golf. Um, And I'm not the golf educator. But, you know, Tiger Woods has been chasing him since he came into, you know, golf. And if Tiger didn't get hurt and he didn't do stupid things off the field, I think Tiger breaks his record and goes down as the greatest. But this guy is the greatest. He'll go down as the greatest. It's the hardest sport to play. It really is. I mean, people play all their lives and and can't do what Jack Nicholas did in a lifetime. It's fantastic. I think one of the greatest athletes. Of all time. And so, we, were, we were talking about it, too, with the individual
4: sports. Like, you have to be mentally prepared yourself, so You don't have a teammate to bail you out. You don't have this and that to bail you out with these uncontrollable circumstances. And he actually had a second wind, too, like even in the yes, 70s, too. And he was still fantastic even in that stretch, too. And that's why it makes a lot of these records impenetrable that he had for a while. Some of them were broken since then, obviously, because there was 40 years in between. But most of those he still holds, too, which is very impressive. And most of them were only broken by Tiger Woods a lot of the time, too. Who do you got? I got Jack Nicholas here. Uh, so
1: do I. Yeah. Jack Nicholas is... My winner as well. I love Anderson Silver. It's just matched up against a guy that dominated his sport a little bit better. I mean, people forget how great Anderson Silver was. 2,000. Just, just listen to that number. 2,456. 57 consecutive days. How many? There's 365 days in a year. Right. You're talking about almost six or seven years of dominance. It's ridiculous. And in, in, in probably the hardest division in all of MMA at the time that he was champion. So he, he beat everybody. And Anina just beat him. He completely dominated them. So he got a little cocky at the end. And that's why, you know, he got caught with a punch by a Long Island native and then he broke his leg by the same Long Island native. That was it. That was the end of Anderson Silver when that happened. So, uh, but Anderson Silver, probably top three greatest MMA UFC fighters of all time. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so that was our bracket wars today. So we have Ali and Jack Nicholas moving on. Uh, number three seed versus a number one. I think Jack Nicholas should have been a number one seed to Muhammad Ali. I, I just, I think, okay. I just think Muhammad Ali is a little overrated. That's right. that's just my opinion. I know I'm a boxing fan. Okay, so I, there were a lot of great boxers and a lot of dominant boxers at the in their weight classes at the time that they. And I just Muhammad Ali. As much as he, bought, he fought Joe Frazier and George Foreman and Sonny Liston. Sonny, a lot of people say Sonny Liston was paid to lose that fight. Okay? Really? Yes. Oh, wow. I, you've never heard that story? No, I didn't. Yeah, well, it's been a story that he was paid to lose that fight. Honestly, and this is the honest God truth, all right? As good as Muhammad Ali is, I don't even think he was a top five heavyweight of all time. Ooh. Okay, uh, that's my opinion. I All we right, could spell second round upset then. <laughs> so I'm just telling you the truth. I, I, I honestly, Joe Lewis was a better fighter than Muhammad Ali. Mm. He fought longer. He he fought in more rounds, and he felt he fought against some of the tyrants of boxing at the time. Where racism and yes, racism was going on when Muhammad Ali was champion, but right. there was a lot worse when Joe Lewis was champion. So. Mm, so we might have a
4: second round upset brewing for Errol potentially in the next round. What so Muhammad Ali will take on the winner of the eight seed Babayor, the nine seed LeBron James. Mm. Interesting, which could be interesting. We'll do that one tomorrow, and we'll also
1: do uh, Roger Federer versus Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> interesting, interesting. I, I know a lot of people like Muhammad Ali. I, I understand that. And I'm not going to take that away. Muhammad was a great fighter. He he really was, and he revolutionized the boxing world by his personality, his. His eagerness to change the game by speaking and poem, using poems and, and the way he attacks fighters and get into their heads before he even got into the ring. That's, that's what made Muhammad Ali special. What made Tyson special is by just looking at him, he scared you before you stepped into the ring. Muhammad Ali would get you scared by just his terminology and his attitude outside of the ring to to test your... Your fortitude on how you're going to attack him outside of the ring with your mouth, and then get into the ring with one of the fastest, one of the most uh, efficient heavyweights of all time. So, um, yeah, two. I, I think again, Muhammad Ali's special, but was he the greatest heavyweight of all time? I could argue he wasn't even in the top five. So. That was a great show. It really was. Thank you to Eric Castletine for joining us. He was fantastic oh, yeah. Tim Roy fantastic as well two guys one one being uh, you know the other guy 's uh, mentor so i, did, I didn 't know was that was a cool
4: story yes, yeah. Yeah,
1: so congratulations to both both have very successful careers, both with great organizations one uh, Tim Roy has like three rings. He owns like three or four rings that he has. I'm sure he yep. has rings. That's great when you're when you're a broadcaster and you get a ring because you work with the team and the organization. Those rings are worth tons and tons of money. I, I mean, I'm I'm happy for him. And
4: Eric he even said it. like both both guys have broadcasted broadcast over 2,000 games in yeah. the NBA.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. And I know that's what you want to do with your career. So I, I know that's what you want to do, and you want to be a play-by-play guy. I don't know if that's where I want my route of my career to go. I, I, I like radio. That's where I, or TV. I'll do TV in certain ways. Uh, but I, I think my route of my career is that kind of, you know, wave. So you, and you, and, and you could do both. I mean, but uh, that's the, Wave, I want to go. Um, We will be back tomorrow. Who do we have on? All right, 930. He's been
4: on our show before as well. Uh, Clutch Points, NBA insider and reporter Brett Siegel will be joining us Mm. again at 930. And then at 10 o'clock, he was also on last year. New York Post features reporter Alex Mitchell.
1: It's going to be fun tomorrow. I I know a lot of people. One of them, a basketball guy, right?
4: Yeah, Brett Siegel is actually one of the – he's become one of the bigger NBA insiders recently. Yes. the last time we had him on about about this time last year.
1: I remember Brett, and we went back and forth. Yes. So uh, I'm sure me and Brett will go back and forth with the off season and some teams that he probably, I know he's a Steph Curry lover as well. So I'm sure he has his own thoughts to Steph Curry and his career and how he's a top 10 player of all time, which I still think Tim, I I love Tim and Tim has his own his own feelings toward it. I do not believe Steph is the top 10. I don't care what he's done. If if you think, if anybody thinks he's changed the sport to be better because he brought the three pointer and he's really pushed the three pointer into the league. It's made the league worse. I'm just, I'm sorry. Watch. If you watch this, what are the chances of them going to the hole? The chances of them going to the hole and said it like he went to the hole right there and he put it in. If you're the Knicks did that, the Knicks did that. And that a lot of people said that was the Knicks problem all season because they couldn't hit the three right but the Knicks didn't have to all season and if they had one three-point shooter that could set up shop and 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 they could set them up, up here and there the Knicks probably the Knicks are probably here in the in the uh the NBA, NBA finals, finals. Yeah. yeah so I'm just saying
4: Knicks <laughs> and Nuggets would have been the Carmelo Anthony championship it would have been fun I I think Carmelo, in honor of him retiring I mean Carmelo would have been at
1: both games <laughs> yeah and Carmelo would have loved it and I, the question is, who is he? Who's he root for? Does he wear that jersey with the Denver and the Knicks? I've seen those. He
4: probably jerseys. Make, yeah. He probably would have some kind of. He already has that. He already okay. has that. Oh yeah, I've seen him yeah. do. I've All seen right. him
1: having on his wall, and I, I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, people have worn that are Carmelo Anthony fans. The number fifteen on one side, uh, for the Denver Nuggets, and the number seven for the Knicks mm-hmm. on the other side. So I've seen it. it. Was one? It, it was one fifty-seven. It was 50, so it was. It's, it's an interesting jersey. Well, I don't uh, want
4: to score 157 in that series, would be
0: another question. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's true, too. Anyways, uh, it was a great show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 9. Good night, everybody.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.